Recently, the U.S. engaged in peace talks with China, and it seems like they're not going too well because the AP is reporting it's unusual the level of bickering and kind of smackdown that's been going on back and forth. The U.S. criticizes China over a lot of things they're doing. China criticizes back. But China is accusing the U.S., I kid you not, of slaughtering black people, exploiting the Black Lives Matter and woke narrative to criticize the U.S. when the U.S. tries calling out the concentration camps and other things. Other than that, China has been saying that in the U.S., we have we have no grounds to complain about democracy over there because the people in the U.S. don't even agree with you, American democracy either. And the whole thing seems to be, well, highly unusual, they say, but shocking to a lot of people because among many conservatives, they believe China would never speak like this if Donald Trump was still president. I think maybe it's just escalation, whether it was Trump or, or Biden. There's been an ongoing escalating tension between you know the two countries. But in terms of China calling the U.S. weak, and they did, we got this video of Joe Biden nearly falling down the stairs, which is getting a lot of attention. Now, Biden's saying it was just the wind. It was the wind. But a lot of people are questioning whether or not Joe Biden has the mental and physical fitness to be president. A new poll shows 33% of Americans believe he does not. So we're going to talk about this. We'll talk about some other stuff. I guess there's like a woke monopoly coming out, which will be fun to talk about. We're hanging out with the uh, the creator of the infamous The List, Siraj, you want to introduce yourself? Uh, What's going on, Tim? Uh, Siraj Hashmi, uh, now formally employee of the Washington Examiner. Uh, I am a free agent and creator of the list, but you can also check me out on Habibi Bros. That what? is the podcast that me and Mujahid Kobe, my buddy Jay, who has been banned 12 different times by Twitter and constantly comes back. He is the man who cannot be killed on Twitter. Should he go on the list? Oh, well, that's the thing. It's the list only works for him, and I never put him on it. There you go. <laughs> so so the, explain the list real quick. All right. So the list is literally uh, a power ranking of people who need their phones taken away. So, for example, if someone tweets something, a genuinely bad take, you know, it could be comparing, say, Trump to Hitler, although that is actually very trite and commonplace. But something, for example, uh, you know, if the Chinese Communist Party tweets out something insane about the United States, knowing obviously how hypocritical it is, they'll go on the list for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there's people like, should I name anybody specifically we're just talking about? Jennifer Rubin. Yeah. <laughs> she is the one who, Washington Post, right? Washington Post, uh, formerly, I guess, conservative uh, blogger. Pro-establishment, uh, yeah, whatever that means. But basically, she has gone on the list. Uh, I, I can tell you, basically, one of the tweets that got her on the list was so benign, but it was it's so ridiculous. Uh, she posted a photo of her dog and saying, sleeping in during the Biden era. Yes. We sleep in on the weekends. When like, Biden was bombing Syria? On. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was literally like the day or two after that. Yeah, 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 yeah. On the list. Right on, right on. So we'll, so we'll, uh, we'll get into it. Uh, we got Ian East chilling. What's up, everybody? Ian Crossland. How's it going? Great to be here. I love you. And me, Sour Patch Lids in the corner. All right. Before we get started, ladies and gentlemen, we have a really awesome sponsor. I've been talking a lot about how we need decentralized social media. And our sponsor today is PocketNet. Go to PocketNet.app. You can see the link in the description below. Become a member. It is a truly, fully decentralized network. PocketNet says no corporation, open source. Nobody can take your subscribers away. All advertising revenue goes directly to you as a content creator, owned and self-policed by users like you. Again, PocketNet.app. The reason I think this is great, and I'm, I'm stoked that these uh, uh, that PocketNet is sponsoring the show, is one thing we keep talking about is some kind of open source code anybody can use to have their own decentralized social media platform or website. That way we can't get banned anymore. Now, maybe they'll still come after your infrastructure. Maybe you start your own website. But this is one way to guarantee that doesn't happen. 
There are a lot of different uh, uh, social media sites, but PocketNet seems to be the first and only truly decentralized. So uh, again, really, really uh, grateful for their sponsorship. You guys can go to pocketnet.app, sign up, and uh, I guess nobody can ban you. So, you know, for better or for worse, we believe in free speech. When you're there, I guess you're going to have all the free speech in the world. Also, don't forget, go to TimCast.com, become a member to get access to exclusive members-only segments of the show. We had Kurt Schlichter the other day talking about Rand Paul and Dr. Fauci. We had, uh, you know, Jack Murphy, we're talking about Joe Biden and that weird CGI video that wasn't really CGI. We debunked that. And of course, Lieutenant Colonel Alan West was on the show. So if you want to get those exclusive uh, segments, go to TimCast.com, become a member. Don't forget to like, share, subscribe this show. And uh, let's get into the first story. This is the craziest thing to me. You know, let let me just read the news first. The U.S. Sun reports, tense clash. China accuses U.S. of slaughtering black people and says Americans have little faith in democracy as talk tensions flare. This is the two nations met face to face in Anchorage, Alaska on Thursday evening for the first time since President Joe Biden took office. But any hopes that bilateral relations could be reset after years of trade wars and tensions over cybersecurity during Trump's presidency were quickly stamped out. U.S. Secretary of State Anthony, uh, Anthony Blinken and National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan open, uh, opening the meeting by referring to concerns over Beijing's human rights record. China's top foreign affairs official Yang Jiechi thunderously responded by accusing the U.S. of its own human rights violations, saying, we hope the U.S. will do better on human rights, Yang said during a 15-minute speech. The fact is that there are many problems in the U.S. regarding human rights which is admitted by the U.S. itself. Yang added that human rights issues in the U.S., such as racism, were deep-seated. They did not just emerge over the past four years, such as Black Lives Matter. This is really annoying to me because the, the narrative, for the most part, from Black Lives Matter is overhyped, exaggerated, and just, I, I'm going to say it, not true. I don't know if, uh, you, I think you, you, you may have seen this, Ian, but did you see the, the poll where they asked liberals and conservatives how many innocent, you know, or how many black people were killed by police in 2019? And liberals said over a thousand. And the actual number is 27. So what's happening is, what? yeah, we have this media narrative, this big lie where they keep saying these things over and over again. And you get these people who genuinely believe that cops are going around hunting down black people. Right. If I thought that was true, I'd be out there with Black Lives Matter every yeah. single day. Yeah. But we know it's not true. Any death caused by the cops, it's, it's, it's a tragedy. Either, it, you know, a cop was defending himself. It's still a tragedy. Or the cop was committing a crime, especially a tragedy. Now China is exploiting this. Our own media is tearing our country apart, in my opinion. And now China is accusing us of being weak. Yeah, it's it's kind of interesting. You know, China obviously can't look in the mirror and ever call out their own sins. For example, obviously just how oppressive they are to their own people. The re-education camps of Uyghurs. Uh, the lack, you know, basically the the... the Hong Kong and, and threatening their autonomy uh, and jailing basically any political dissident. So they right. have no, obviously, no moral standing on this issue. I just find it hilarious that they think that the U.S. government is sanctioning, like, basically all this terrorism against uh, one, you know, racial demographic. I don't think they, they believe it. No, I mean, like they I mean, but they're accusing us of this. I of think it. I think it's, it's really interesting. In previous administrations, would China have stood up so brazenly and insulted, degraded the United States to their faces? Nope. The iron wasn't well, hot enough. But but you know what I think? I mean, if you remember under the Obama administration and the the plane situation, the plane uh, confrontation, and they basically made them almost, I think it was like 
they wouldn't let them land or get off the plane. They basically had to. Oh wow! Yeah, this is some, this is ha- this happened on the Obama administration. Yeah. I don't know if this is something uh, that you know. It was an almost an international incident that had to get stamped out quickly because China they ramped up the aggression against uh, you know foreign diplomats or well, I guess U.S. diplomats in this case. Um, and then you have the whole anal swabs thing. Of, oh of God! US, yeah, US, yeah, yeah. U.S. diplomats entering the country and they had to get a COVID test by well, so that swab. We'll, we'll jump to that one in a second. But the point I wanted to make is, as the tensions escalate. As U.S. Uh, uh, power wanes internationally and, and other countries are losing confidence in whether or not the United States could even defend a place like Taiwan or the South China Sea, China is getting more and more brazen. They know the narrative's not true. They don't care. They're putting on a show for the people of the world to say, we're not scared of America anymore. Yeah. And we're going to stand up and we're going to use their own fracturing of their, of their culture against them. That's what's happening. Now, as for the, uh, the butt swabs thing, which was like a huge story. <laughs> I think it's fair to say if Donald Trump was president, that would not have happened. Yeah, that's fair to say. But I also and we were talking about this. I don't think under the Trump administration, they would send they willing they would willingly send out a group of diplomats to China in the middle of a trade war. Right. And basically subject themselves to something like this. I mean, during the trade war negotiations for the first trade deal that they uh, agreed to. All the negotiations happened in Washington, D.C., literally across the, from the Eisenhower Executive Office Building, which is the White House. Um, but they're, so, they're sending diplomats to China for, what, routine work? I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, we had an ambassador to the, uh, we had a U.S. ambassador to China, and yeah. we still have diplomatic relations with them. But, you know, <laughs> there is no reason to subject our own diplomats to that. It's, it's just an embarrassment. It's amazing. For those that aren't familiar, uh, U.S. diplomats were forcefully anal swabbed by China. Yeah. And I think that's another, another sign of just attempting to humiliate the United States for forceful swabbing of the bums of American personnel. And they're basically, look, at this meeting, it was 15 minutes of, of the Chinese, you know, officials yelling at America. And the Americans just sat there and took it. Saber rattling. Uh, so I just wanted to point out that, that the whole confrontation with the Obama administration. Uh, so the U.S. military always sends out a, a set of rolling air stairs um, on every single uh, presidential trip. And so they have to seek Chinese approval to use the equipment. And when President Obama arrived in China, the Chinese reversed the, their position. They wouldn't let him get off the plane. Wow. Yeah. So it's like a well, humiliation but why? tactic. Yeah. But was was Obama supposed to be there? Yeah, it was. I think it was actually a, a supposed to be a official presidential visit to meet so, with uh, President Xi. So this wouldn't have happened under Trump. Is that would you think it's fair to say? Well, it didn't happen under Trump because when he went to China, the, he got like a huge welcoming uh, ceremony. I mean, think of. I mean, I, people don't people remember obviously his his uh, meeting with Kim Jong Un and uh, in, in Vietnam. In uh, Singapore, um, I, feel like, I think it was just Singapore. They had at least two meetings, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but when he went to China, there was a huge ceremony. There was a huge like celebration of the U.S. president going to China. And if you remember wow. correctly, President Xi and President Trump actually had like deep affection for one another. But at the same time, Trump was telling everybody here in the United States, like, obviously, we're going to be implementing all these tariffs on China. Um, but that, he had that, a lot of tough talk. But 
and this is where he gets the criticism for being, you know, cozying up to authoritarians because of how he approaches them. Now, yeah. his actual rhetoric is different from the actual policy because the policy was good, even if the rhetoric didn't match it. And that's what I think that's what people constantly get at Trump for. But he was particularly strong on China. And Biden is particularly weak on China. Could it have been that fanfare and that celebration was because they were scared of Trump? Trump That's was, possible. Look, man, Trump hey. was an erratic, hey, we're still no, Hey, we're still number one, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I look at it like this. Even people, like even Trump supporters recognize that Trump is kind of, you know, erratic, I guess is the right way to put it. Mean, meaning like he just says, do it, get it done. It, come, it come, pops into his head. He says, do it. So if he gets mad on a whim, he could be like, shut it down. No, no deal for you. So China knows these, t- these this trade war is on. Yeah. The tariffs are, are a legit problem for them. So they start kissing his ass. Yeah. I think the Chinese Communist Party is a glass cannon in, in that they're very fragile. From what I've been discerning from our guests in the last few weeks, they're, they're on the verge of collapse, but they don't want to show it. And if they sense weakness, they're going to go and bite it because they can hit from hard from a distance. But if, if they get attacked, they got a real problem. And Biden is not an attacker. I, I don't. Not, I not don't physically. I'm I don't saying. think the Chinese Communist Party is particularly weak. I think they're still on the rise. I think it is. What's changing though is the sort of the the what's the best word I could probably put it on. Um, sort of the image. The the there was a fallacy that Russia was somehow the most dangerous country right. in the world, and that was our geopolitical foe and threat. And they hijacked an election and basically installed Trump as, you know, Putin's, you know, lapdog, like, you know, as crazy as the, you know, that, that, that blue anon talk. Um, but then everybody just ignored China. And now we're realizing everything that's happening there. You have the Uyghur reeducation camps. You have, uh, Hong Kong autonomy withering away. You have the oppression of basically everyone, uh, and their political dissidents. They have the Belt and Road Initiative. Uh, which boss basically it, it mortgages the future of basically every single country abroad, uh, that China does business with, particularly in Africa. And they build up their infrastructure in exchange for, uh, so like they'll give, say, a country like, you know, Mozambique or, or, uh, you know, name, name your country in Africa, uh, you know, billion dollar loans, but we get to control your ports. It sounds and they have like, to pay back that loan. Mm-hmm. Sounds like they're displacing the IMF. Yeah. That's the economic hitman strategy. Right. Yep. And so they get all this economic control over these countries, and they get to gain access to their valuable resources, whatever mining, uh, whatever, you know, grain, you name it, farming. And, uh, yeah, they just consolidate that power. And the reason why they're still on the come up is, and, and this obviously is tied into the political oppression is that when you only have one single thought, you can get a lot more done. I think Bill Maher was talking about it as well as Tucker Carlson. Interestingly enough, in the same week about how China is particularly strong in their military because they just focus on the job and just get it done. Right. And, uh, I think Bill Maher's criticism in particular, it wasn't praiseworthy of, of the Chinese Communist Party, but really highlighting how um, they, because they're so authoritarian, they can get more done and we are so democratic. We can get nothing done. And it's just- democratic is one way to put it. I think what we're seeing is our values were exploited, sowing division and this, this Western imperialism of sorts, whatever you want to call it, where we have like the international monetary fund, where we have the UN and NATO, 
the United States and their military bases everywhere, it's it's falling apart. Mm-hmm. Like you're mentioning, what was it? Was the the Belt and Belt and Road Initiative? Yeah. So China is essentially giving loans, building up infrastructure in these countries to then have massive debt that will give them economic control. That's what the the, the Western powers used to do. Yeah. Or still probably do. Well, yeah. that's what, what that's what colonialism was based on. It was. It, it may not have been as say concrete as what the Belt and Road Initiative is, but it was basically controlling territories to gain access to the resources. In exchange for, say, example, like French colonialism, French colonialism was basically, uh, we're going to exchange, uh, whatever you got and we're going to give you French culture because that's like, right. you know, that's, you this, know, we, we're superior to your inferiority. What we are seeing is China engaging in neo colonialism. It's effectively just colonialism, mm-hmm. but you know, it's in, you know, from history till now, they're starting up a new process. It's transactional. Well, but it's not just that. It's Chinese immigrants. So China's a crowded nation. They're seeing a lot of, you know, the creation of a lot of wealth as mm-hmm. they expand. They then naturally want to move to other countries to find opportunity and to find more space. I, I actually, uh, interestingly enough about the Belt and Road Initiative is that they don't even hire locally. They bring in their own workers from mm-hmm. China to exactly. build up these, you know, whatever level of infrastructure, roads, bridges, buildings, you name it, tunnels. They, it's all, it, it doesn't stimulate the local economy. All it does is just uh, put these countries into debt and That's right. make them beholden to the Chinese Communist Party well, as a result. Isn't that what the IMF would do, basically? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So, so listen, the, China is absolutely displacing the Western strategies and, and foreign policy, and they're sending in Chinese workers to a lot of countries. Many people who are just regular old citizens of, citizens of China are naturally just emigrating to other countries. There's no plan there. They're just doing it because they want to move. They want to find a place. Then you end up with lots of Chinese immigrants in other countries setting up their own little communities and Chinatowns and things like that. Then you get the Belt and Road Initiative, which creates the economic power structure. Eventually, you're going to have many countries which are just going to be like second world satellites of China. If not, they already yeah. are. And the U.S., people don't seem to realize this. We, you know, we, 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 we talked about this, I think, earlier in the week that manufacturing in the, in the U.S. actually is up a little bit, like one point something percent year over year. But we don't produce all that much relative to many other countries. Our, our principal export is the U.S. dollar for, for buying oil. Mm-hmm. So we prop up the petrodollar with the threat of war to anybody who dares drop that dollar. The U.S. is in, is, is in, a, in, a, crumble, is in a very difficult position. It's, you know, we've got Joe Biden, who apparently is struggling to walk up these stairs. The wind blew him over. I, I kid you not. They said the wind blew him over. I mean, that, that was not a good excuse. They could have said he tripped and that we, we could have moved on. But Joe Biden falls over. The wind blew him over. Wow. You've got hyperpolarization. You've got a 50-50 split, basically, in our government. Senate is 50-50. And then the House is like 219 to 211 or whatever. Like, just as narrow as it can get. They're trying to remove some Dem- uh, 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 They're trying to remove a Republican who was duly elected and certified. To, to It's just, it's falling apart. Our international systems are failing. The international wars have failed. Our, our way of controlling other countries is falling apart, and China is assuming all of it. And I have to wonder, how many special interests, millionaires, billionaires, and corporations in the U.S. have already seen that happening and are moving their businesses over that's to been happening. their bets? That's, exactly. That's been right. happening. NBA, for instance. Yeah. No, it, it's been happening for a while, Disney. Apple. Um, Apple, yeah. I mean, manufacturing and 
I mean, manufacturing in China is really cheap, especially when they use Uyghur slave labor, right? Right. So, uh, well, but but thinking about it this way, if the U.S. dollar does crumble, bitcoins at fifty eight thousand seven hundred or whatever, yeah, these companies have already moved to China, mm-hmm. and they're already like you got Mark Cuban defending China. What 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 is what does he see that is he is he hedging his bet, basically saying he thinks China's going to win this one? China's already won. That's actually what I wanted go. to say. Is that Bill Maher? Uh, interestingly enough, and I agree with him on a lot of points, even if he, even if he didn't get everything right in his, his little monologue from, from last week, he pointed out how China already won. Yeah. They're not, they're not winning. They already won because the, the fact that we're still bickering over things like the culture war, cancel culture, you name it, you know, these are things that are so, they're distractions to the bigger picture. And in terms of global influence, you know, the United States are, you know, we, you know, that I saw a T-shirt once that said "Word Number One," but there was no apostrophe in it. Huh. <laughs> huh. <laughs> word Number word One. Number one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. And so, like, you know, while the United States economy still is number one in the world, as I, as I said, we're still we're number one, baby. I mean, that is that those days <laughs> we're are number one. It's like the Patriots dynasty ending. I, I never really got into the whole like we're the best thing because like when you're the, the top, you're just a target. People want to rip you down. We right. should be part of an integral group of allies that are working. No, we were though. Yeah, we really should be like with Russia and Britain and England. But, or, well, well, not so Russia, England, but we 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 did have India. Western trade alliances, NATO, the UN. Yeah, and that power structure is failing. I mean, look, the the coalition that went into Libya was it like France? You know, the U.S., a couple other countries, I guess. Look at the the coalition of the willing or whatever yeah. going to Iraq. It oh, wasn't yeah. just the U.S. It was a bunch of different countries expressing this you know control i mean we they they well after 9-11 there was uh they invoked article 5 of, of nato getting uh us to the point where we had every nato nation as well as we got uh australia new zealand uh involved in and uh and basically the invasion of afghanistan was then turned into the invasion of iraq i mean it's just it for some reason uh, the United States loves war. We're never going to get out of it. And that has depleted our economy tremendously. And if you ever want to talk about how climate change impacts it, you know, <laughs> it doesn't help it. <laughs> I'm, so. You guys ever hear of the non-aligned movement? No. Nah. It's basically the United Na- the other United Nations on Earth. There's the United Nations that we know of. And then all the countries that aren't involved with it are in this na- oh. United group of nations called the non-aligned movement who's not who's not who's in it iran is the the it's where their headquartered was in iran for okay. a while um ahmadinejad uh was like the chairman of it um ahmadinejad yeah thank you for pronouncing that properly <laughs> um, ahmadinejad. and I, I would pull up a list there's like 92 countries or something really? some, some insane number and don't quote me on that number but <laughs> it's, it's all these countries that the united states is basically doesn't want to have diplomatic ties with these are the people we need to be allied with yeah well, there's also uh, BRICS, the BRICS nations. I mean, that's the thing is like, so Iran and the United States are, their interests are diametri- diametrically opposed. You know, Iran wants basically hegemony over the region. The United States, uh, I mean, the Iranian regime has been on the path of terror for quite some time, funneling money to Hamas, Hezbollah, uh, you name it. I mean, they've been killing our, our guys and our men and women overseas. Um, I don't imagine that's going to happen anytime soon. Unless, of course, President Biden tries to get the Iran nuclear deal going on again. Uh, God help us if that happens. Hmm. But, um, look, I am, I am fine with, like, making friends with other countries. 
so long as it doesn't isn't to our detriment, we're not being taken advantage of. And I don't think that the Iranian regime is would be acting in good faith. I'm looking at like China, like the Nazi party. And if we had allied with Russia before the Nazis invaded Poland, we could have possibly prevented it. What do you mean? Well, because we weren't really on good terms with Russia before the war, Russia wouldn't come to France's aid. Are you talking about World War II? Yeah. Okay. And so this is like a modern day, like we're on the cusp of another world war with another you know, racist ethno state. Right. And unless we ally now with Russia and India and Iran and all of these p- countries around China, it, they're going to do some crazy. Invasion. Well, the thing is, like China and Iran are basically in bed with each other because, mm. I mean, when Iran doesn't have, you know, any of its allies to, to go to, if it doesn't have the United States to go to, to say, funnel them cash, they'll go to Russia and they'll go to China because China definitely wants to have them on their side. Yeah. Anyone who's an enemy of the United States is their friend. Mm-hmm. So, and like we're talking about, it's, it's China doing everything in their power to expand their influence to, to anyone who's willing to listen. And I think that I wonder if there's elements of the U.S. that are worried about war. So they're already essentially resigning to the fact that we will lose. I think it was, uh, uh we were talking with Kurt. He said there's war games with that the U.S. has done with China and in all of these war games, we just lose, lose, lose. I, I can only imagine there's a lot of really rich people who are probably like, all right, well, if that's inevitable, I'm going to move my money over. I'm going to move my money to China and focus on that business. And then in 50 years, when this whole system in the West falls apart, China will be the dominant superpower. And you will have a, a an authoritarian ethno state exerting their cultural influence over all the other countries on the planet. I would argue, obviously, and I don't know if I said this before, but I, I'll, if it sounds like I'm repeating myself, then I apologize. But I think... Uh, Richard Nixon's greatest mistake was not anything to do with Watergate. It actually had to do with opening or opening the United States to China because we, for some reason, I don't know what miscalculation took place, but it was a miscalculation. And I was assuming that the Chinese Communist Party, which at that time had only existed for about, uh, about 20, 21 years after the, the Chinese Civil War, after World War II, um, that by introducing capitalism to them, they would somehow modernize. And what they did is they basically adapted. They kept their system in place and they basically turned their society into a pseudo capitalist one that encouraged commerce and encouraged other, uh, other, you know, corporations from other countries, namely from the United States to come to them, you know, get cheap manufacturing, build their, their products and then ship it across the globe. And they did it by consolidating as much power as they needed to. And by they, I mean the Chinese Communist Party. And we're basically at a loss. We underestimated China. 100%. We we thought money and greed would win out. And we underestimated the, the resolve and the ideology and the power of the Chinese Communist Party. So we were hoping that our money was going to go in and that essentially greed... Not necessarily greed, but like commerce and a better life would open up the eyes of these people and they would say, oh, we should we should do that because it'll right. make us money. And then eventually that would weaken the, the, the power structure in the Communist Party. They didn't realize how hardened it was. So what ended up happening was the Communist Party exploited all those systems around it to become even more powerful. Yeah. And it, 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 we just fed the beast. We also underscore and probably uh, we... We discount the Confucius Institutes here in the United States. Yeah. That's a very, it's, it is a very real problem, but not one that's discussed very often. And that is how a number of different universities in the United States have these institutes called Confucius Institutes. And what they do 
is that they basically it's like exporting the ideas of the Chinese Communist Party to, you know, you know, malleable minds here in the United right. States. Um, but also, you know, you can look at the Chinese exchange students who come to the United States. And I'm not saying that them coming here is bad. But what ends up happening is they start to adapt or they start to adopt some you know, values that we here in America embrace, they start to get, you know, maybe think that like American values are actually much better than Chinese values. And they correct that issue right away. The, the, they have like sort of a self-policing system. And so if any, if any exchange student gets out of line, you know, they're gone, they're gone. Yeah. I think, man, it's like we're on the, we're on the, we're on the back end of that bell curve. It's the, the golden age is, is, is over for us. It's been, we've been infiltrated. It's been real guys. Yeah. yeah it's, it's been, been fun. Great. Uh, Video games buy, were buy, buy Bitcoin. Uh, no, no, not, no financial advice. <laughs> <laughs> I'm buying Bitcoin. Buy GameStop. It, it well, China, China China bought, China, I actually don't buy GameStop. No, China bought a bunch of Bitcoin. A lot of Bitcoin. Oh, yeah. So the, I wonder why it's skyrocketing, man. They've got the, the spy, the Chinese spy that was dating the guy that the Eric Swalwell Swalwell oh, for like yeah. well that long? wasn't confirmed that they were dating or they were they were an item mm. for it wasn't even confirmed that they were an item she was just helping with like fundraisers yeah. and stuff that for was, a long was, time she, right yeah I mean she had been around helping people with fundraising here in the, in, in Washington D.C. and I wouldn't say here because we're not in Washington D.C. that's where I live but <laughs> um, but basically when it comes to I believe her name is Fang Fang mm -hmm. and, uh, or Christine Fang. I think that's Fang what, Fang. Yeah. Fang Fang. Sorry. Yeah. I apologize. Yeah. I apologize. We, we had China uncensored on the show. And so we got the correct pronunciation. Oh, China's uncensored. Fung nice, Fung. nice, nice. Um, so Fang Fang, she had basically embedded herself as a, uh, sort of like a, 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 a I guess not like a money roller, like uh, basically someone who would, a cash bundler. Yeah. That's the best way of putting it. Uh, someone who would raise money, um, for different political causes. And, uh, then somehow in the, throughout the running of it all, Eric Swalwell was briefed that she's actually a Chinese spy. And, uh, then he basically had to sever all contact with her. But now this, this just happened. Uh, McCarthy has tried to remove Swalwell from the Intel committee over the Chinese spy story. So this is just from the other day. Oh, wow. I believe it did fail though. They said the resolution will, will not likely pass in a Democratic controlled house. Think about how insane this is. This dude was being helped, a Democrat, by a Chinese spy. And they're, they're keeping him on the intel committee. It's like, okay, let him stay in office, but don't give him access to intel reports. Mm -hmm. They don't care. They really don't care. That's why I'm saying, man, I wonder how many of these people are in on the take. Mm -hmm. They yeah, know what's coming, and they're like, got to butter my bread. You know what I mean? How many more spies are there? That's one that we found out. And now we know that the institutions have been infiltrated by the basically by the concepts of of this you know what 80 year plan that Yuri Bezmenov talked about it other other people it's like they, they've been in here trying to divide us and now they're calling it out yeah because their plan they're basically activating the plan well we do know that um there was a Chinese spy that worked in Senator Diane Feinstein's office mm -hmm. um yeah. driver I think so um I have to confirm that but. so this is uh yeah this is from back in August of 2018 yeah. Details surface about Senator Feinstein and the Chinese spy who worked for her. That's crazy. Yeah, I'm pretty sure she, it, it was a driver for her. Yeah. And uh, it's not the first time. We've been infiltrated, man. I mean, Mike Pompeo was saying it earlier last year, about a year ago. He said, we've been infiltrated at every single level. You name it. Yeah. I mean, it's it's not surprising at, at all. I mean, as you said, when you're number one, everyone has a target on your back. Every Basically, every other country, if we're playing Mario Kart... 
We're in first place. Every country has a blue shell. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 100%. Well, you know. Essentially. We were in first place. I wonder if slash when China does overtake us, maybe they already did and they're just not going to let us know. You know what I mean? Well, why would they let us know if they could stay in if they could stay in our ranks forever? I mean, and and focus and on the blue shells mention, on us and not them. And also, not to mention, think of the people who are actually in the, not. And, and this is something that people, you know, think. Oh, just because you know the Chinese, they have to be a spy. Think about all the non-Chinese spies that there are. Hmm. I mean, well, that, think, they, think they, about, they they are they are spies for the Chinese government, but they're not. Right. They're not ethnically right. Chinese. But mm-hmm. no, but but also think about when when COVID first started, and they 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 lied to the WHO, and then the WHO ended up lying to the world. China ordered Chinese citizens in various countries to buy personal protective equipment and ship it back to China so they could use it during the pandemic. While they were lying to us, saying everything's fine, don't worry about it, they were, ta- they were instructing their citizens. Their si- these people weren't spies. Mm-hmm. They were just people who were living in other countries for school or for whatever reason, working at the behest of the Chinese Communist Party. It makes me think of Civilization, the game. Have you ever played that? It's been a while. Cool game. Um, and I think the Chinese have overtaken us militarily, but not culturally, not scientifically, I don't think. No, they stole all our intellectual yeah, property. Yeah, they steal. Right. They basically are trying to steal to keep up. Um, so they have overtaken us in some ways, definitely militarily, they're, they're, I think. They're, they're, what's, what's that thing where the Thousand Talents program, where they're buying mm-hmm. up these, these college professors, offering them cash, then the professors are lying about it, getting caught and getting arrested? Yeah. Are you serious? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. There's been a bunch of professors now who that. were secretly taking money from China, and then some of them got caught. They were not reporting this money. So they were getting grants from the U.S. government and also getting money from the Chinese government. My God. And effectively, my understanding is they were sharing this data with the Chinese Dude, Communist I just Party. Think Nazis. Think about it. If you were alive in 1930, what side would you have been on? Now you get to choose. Would you? Will you take their money? Will you take that Nazi money? There were a lot of people in America who did. Well, that's they the did. problem. Is yeah. that there are too many people who... And this is, you know, obviously because hindsight's twenty twenty, and we always look back and think of, you know, if another Holocaust happened, how would we react to it? I mean, it is happening. Yeah, but that's the thing is like, you know, everybody thought that, and I, I referenced the Syrian civil war because that seemed like an, an interesting, you know, that was a very bloody affair that uh, has winded down. But everybody, there were, there were a lot of people in the United States clamoring for intervention, thinking that mm-hmm. that was a, that was basically another genocide that was taking place. And now we have this situation here in Xinjiang with the Uyghurs being in, in, locked up in re-education camps. We're seeing drone footage of them on train platforms, all in jumpsuits, blindfolded, shaved heads, you know, hands and feet bonded up. And that is the closest thing I have ever seen in my life to what we saw in the Holocaust. Closest thing. And I'm still afraid to compare that to the Holocaust right. because of the what that suggests. And so... You can say that, the, you know, they're going to modern day tr- concentration camps. That is like as far as that's to the extent that I'll go, because there is there is these people are being persecuted for practicing their faith. There are people being persecuted for expressing different political views uh, for people who want democracy in Hong Kong. And, and the, you, the, 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 you know, all what? of our uh, nothing will move. Not, there are, nothing no needle will move in the right direction because all of our, all of the corporations that were formerly part of the United States have all sold their souls to China. This and time will never stand up. Right. For the, it. a lot of them, not the, all the, of them. This time, not all of them, the ethno-authoritarians 
it seems like they're going to win. It seemed like that with the Nazis, too, for a while. When they invaded France and took took control of France, it was like, this is it, man. The British? Winston Churchill would just tell people, we're going to survive. We're going to get through this. He didn't know. He was just getting yeah, but their listen, hopes up. For sure. China, China's not stupid enough to just storm the borders of, right. of India, necessarily. Right. I mean, the conflict happening on the border with India, is that, what, what, what was it? They, they were fighting with sticks and stones? Yeah. yeah. Because they know there's going to be fighting... But they they know what propaganda is. They know how information warfare works, and they know what will happen if the of all the people of the world demand conflict. Mm. It's bad enough they got the concentration camps, but a lot of people still will be like, "We're not going to do war. It would wipe out the planet." If they if they stormed into India with guns and took t- took land, then everyone would freak out and say, "It's happening! All, all, it's happening anyway." Yeah, we got to stop it from happening. So they know better. They're going to infiltrate. It's going to be cyber attacks. It's going to be political warfare. Like, uh, uh, who was talking about political warfare? Was that, uh, James? was that God, James? We've had some great guests on this sure. last week. Or was week. it Kurt? I don't know. A lot, 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 of, lot of great people talking about political warfare. And that, yeah, I think it was James. I think so. And uh, we're not prepared for it. We, they're, they're, they know you gotta, you gotta be very careful about how people view you. And that's why I think when we see these, these Chinese, you know, officials yelling at the U.S. in a rant for 15 minutes saying that the U.S. is slaughtering black people, they know what they're doing. They're trying to show the world they can make God bleed because then there will be blood in the water and the sharks will come. Yeah. I mean, so Eddie Izzard, the comedian, um, I, although I I think, I think that's former name. I apologize if I'm getting it wrong. Eddie Izzard. Yeah. Yeah. I saw that recently. No, but wears dresses from time to time. Yeah. Yeah. Dresses and drag. But that might be a runs marathons. That that might be the dead name. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Change his name. I think so. No, oh, I, I saw know. him recently, and he he's still amazing. Has he still, he still yeah. goes by Eddie. Genius, she, as far as I can or she tell. goes by no Eddie Izzard. I apologize. I think he was either he or she. Dresser, but was not transgender. Anyways, I'm Eddie Izzard, the comedian, yes. <laughs> said something that was really prescient at the time, um, and it was it was sort of like an, analyzing history and how you know the biggest uh, the biggest mistake that Hitler made was not you know anything he had to do with in Germany. Those invading other countries, you know, because you have Mao Zedong killed probably most people of yep. any other dictator. Yeah, Joseph Stalin, mm. uh, yeah, Pol Pot, you know, a number of different dictators. The key, the key theme for them and the reason they were able to stay in power is that they never invaded any other countries. Yep. And so China came close to it when uh, you had the Korean War, and they were basically trying to impose uh, communism in, in the Korean Peninsula. Of course, the United States fought back at it. Went to stalemate. Now you have North Korea, and now you have China invading many other countries mm. with the Belt and Road Initiative. Exactly, economically, they, exactly, culturally. Look, you can't. We talk about this all the time: fourth and fifth generational warfare. What What is the purpose of war? You want to gain control of resources and territory, mm-hmm. right? Or you want to stop a threat? Maybe it's a preemptive war, but usually it's about gaining access to a resource and certain territory for some advantage for your country. Now, how are you going to do that? You're going to march in with guns and force people at gunpoint? Well, that creates resistance and opposition. Right. People say no to that. Or you say, Ian, I'm going to lend you a hundred bucks so you can go get that, that nice new suit you wanted. Thanks, dude. And then we're going to put compounded interest on it. So oh. just don't worry. Sign here. And then what happens? Well, I do a, need a, week, suit. a week goes by and I go, where's that $10,000 you owe me, buddy? Yeah. Uh. And you're like, whoa, whoa, 10,000. <laughs> like, yeah, read the deal. Jimmy, but, uh, break his legs. Uh, <laughs> that's the game. Can I borrow another 10000 they right. they're, they're going to these people, and they're basically, they're going to these countries and saying, if you sell your country to me with this deal, you will live like the king of kings. And then when you're dead, 
we'll take your country. It's a win-win, isn't it? And a lot of these people are like, works for me. The country will improve. The lives of my people will improve. And then in 50 years, China will be in charge with the, with exercising debt and control over our country. Sure. Whatever. Short-term gain, long-term losses. The, they are invading, but they're doing it smart this time. The hit they men, learned from us. The economic hitmen, which is kind of out of this playbook, they would do that. They would say, hey, we're going to give you a big loan, try and buy you out. Mm-hmm. And if the people refused, then they would try and assassinate the leader. And if they couldn't get to the guy, then they would declare all-out war. Um, it seems like the yep. Chinese aren't trying step two at all. They're like they're very light about this slow, long bribery. They game. play the long game. But but listen, definitely the, the, you, you only need step one when they go to one country and say, we're going to give you all this money to help you with your infrastructure. And that country says no. They go, OK, well, then we'll, we'll give it to your neighbor. Good luck surviving. And look, wait, wait, wait. That's how that's that's the end of the game. People know that uh, in these countries, they might have pressure where it's like we've got conflict with these different groups, with these different tribes, with these different countries, governments. And so if China starts arming and building up their infrastructure, how long will you last? That's how it's going to play out. And now you can see with these Chinese officials basically making a mockery of the U.S. saying you, you're not coming from, from they, they literally said it is wrong to say you're coming from a, from a position of strength. People in your own country don't trust your own democracy. You're slaughtering black people. They smack down the U.S. for 15 minutes. And what do we do? We fight. We have flame wars. We have culture wars. We are a silly people. Yeah. I think I think the U.S. is facing some kind of fracturing. But uh, a lot of people talk about a peaceful divorce. I think we've already broken apart. You know, and I talked about this before, right? Joe Biden comes out and says, you know, we well, come on, man. You know, we need new restrictions for COVID. And Texas and Florida are like, nah. If if you don't have red states trusting the president and agreeing to work together towards a common goal, then the, then the, then the president just represents the blue states. Maybe maybe they're look. I'm I'm a young guy, I guess young enough. Maybe there were periods in American history where states half the states were saying no to the president. Maybe maybe that was a hundred and some odd years ago. The last time we had a civil war, right? Yeah, I mean I don't. I don't think we're going to civil war. It's not going to be what you think it is. It's not well, going to be the too... civil war is informational. Right. It's not with arms. That, that, that's, that's, that's exactly what I'm saying. It's yeah. fourth and fifth generational warfare. Yeah. So the point I'm making is we're well past that point. Like China's not going to march into India with guns. They're going to buy more and more land. They're doing it. They're buying up property in the U.S. like crazy. They're buying up property in Brazil like crazy. And then their citizens naturally just move into these areas and then live in these places using the existing laws. They don't need to march in with guns when they can march in with economics. Same thing in the United States. The civil war we're experiencing is the culture war. It is a cold civil war. There, I shouldn't even say it's cold because people have literally been shot and killed, you know, notably in Portland, for instance. But it's not like factions with armies marching towards each other. The issue is... The best example is Joe Biden comes out, talks about COVID, Florida, Texas, other red states. Just look at Joe Biden and say, buzz off. We do not take your advice and we do not care what you think. So you got blue states saying, you got it, Joe. And red states saying, we don't agree with the president. We are already split into two different realities. You want to live like normal? Florida is awaiting. You go, you don't got to wear a mask anymore. You can go shopping, go to the movies. Everything's back to normal. Go to New York. New York is now the epicenter again. And they're saying, oh, no, it's it's bad. We got to do more lockdowns. You go to Europe. Europe's locking down like crazy. Yeah. Here in the U.S. to see blue states go the exact opposite direction of red states. No unity at all. I do find that interesting, though, that I mean, like 
the division has been happening for a while. I mean, yeah. just look at, you know, you go rewind 10 years ago. I mean, think of how many states just rejected, you know, Obamacare coming into their states. Exactly. And that's that's why a, a lot of people do believe Obama was the time that this division happened. But I'm like, look, you I can, think it started before that. Right. You can reduce it further and further. Look at Al Gore and George W. Bush. Yeah. It was a Supreme Court appointment of a president. No matter what you believe, there's half the country who believes Bush only became president because the Supreme Court intervened. Right. Now, there's a lot of people who say, no, no, George Bush won fair and square. No, no, no. The realities are divergent at that point. There's there's Democrats who are saying it was stolen. It was stolen. It was stolen. And there you go. Yeah. Then you get eight years of that. Then Obama comes in. Then you get people were accusing, were claiming it was stolen back then. Like even even Donald Trump was saying that, and, you know, Mitt but, Romney. And, and the interesting thing about that is a lot of people tied the Supreme Court fight of the 2000 election to distracting our intelligence agencies from what Al-Qaeda was up to in the lead up to 9-11. Right. Because yep. there was no transition. The transition was so, it, it was so rocky. Between it was delayed and it was Clinton, busted up. Yeah, between the Clinton and the Bush administrations that a lot of people look at that as the one area where Al-Qaeda basically made its move to enact, uh, to basically attack the United States through 9-11. I think that was where we saw a big political split. But an interesting thing, an interesting thing happened in 2008 with the economic crisis, because we had we had Ben Stewart here. He was talking about Strauss Howe generational theory. Are you familiar with that? No, I'm not. It, it's it's this theory that there are four seasons. A season lasts 20 years. You've got spring, summer, fall, and winter. After winter, this great conflict, this great crisis, comes a spring where everything is really good. The economy blossoms and booms. Then you have a summer where it's maintained and people are happy. Then a fall where things are getting shaky and chaotic. And then a winter again where the chaos breaks out. So right now, we are in the winter period. 80 years ago, the, the end of the last winter was World War II. 80 years before that, it was the Civil War. 80 years before that, the Revolutionary War. And apparently they've mapped out like all of these things that have happened every 80 years because mm -hmm. it's based on generations. Are you familiar with that saying? Strong men make good times. Good, good men. Uh, strong men make good times. Good times make weak men. Weak men make hard times. Hard times make strong men. Yes, I've heard that. It's similar to that idea yeah. that when you have a generation of people who, who fought through the trenches and many who didn't survive, only the strongest survive and come back. And create a flourishing, strong society of prosperity. Their children inherit that world and don't necessarily understand what it took to create it. Mm -hmm. the, the next generation inherits a world where they just feel entitled to it, which leads to chaos and collapse. Interesting. So it feels like, you know, we're, we're, we're basically in this period now where we can expect, I guess, the, 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 the winter is here. It's going to get bad and it's supposed to end around 2028. But my point was, the, the point I wanted to get to with 2008 was when we talk about when the political divide started and when chaos started to happen, they predicted in like in the 90s when they wrote this book called The Fourth Turning, mm. that in 2008, when boomers became eligible for Social Security, the economic system was going to collapse. Right. Perhaps everything we know about what caused the crisis, mortgage-backed securities and things like that, was actually just all the boomers now demanding their entitlements that didn't exist and figuring out how to cover it up. How, how not cover it up, but like cover the costs of right. this. When you look at the M1 money supply, it's slowly stagnant over several decades. 2008 happens. It increases by like a, by a factor of 10 or whatever. It's just like spikes upward. Mm -hmm. Money creation is going up rapidly. Then the pandemic hits, skyrockets straight up. They changed the way they report the money stock mid pandemic. And now no one knows for sure. But you can see 2008. 
where the money supply just goes boom and takes a sharp turn upward. Maybe mortgage-backed security crisis. They were giving out homes to everybody and the people right. couldn't pay for it. Or maybe our financial system was broken. We knew it was broken. It was predicted that it was going to break and then it broke. I've heard that. that this I've, a theory that they used COVID as an excuse to print because they had to print because everything was falling apart. It's 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 a, uh, a conspiracy. Was it you who was telling me this? Someone basically, I think it was you who mentioned this. They were saying that Democrats uh, uh, made bad bets and in investments that went sour and was going to completely disrupt pensions and 401ks and retirement plans. Was it you who said no. that? No. Told, who told us that? I don't remember hearing that. Yeah, I was hearing uh, th- there's a conspiracy theory that what actually happened was COVID's legit and you ha- we had a pandemic, we had a crisis and we had 15 days to slow the spread. However, the economic crisis was real. We're supposed to have, you know, they say every 10 years is like an economic downturn of some right. sorts. And we kind of dodged that for some reason. I heard a, a conspiracy theory. I'm not saying it's true. I'm saying it's literally probably not true that Democrats made bad bets with, you know, unions made bad bets. They could, you know, they made bad investments. The investment soured. And then when COVID hit, they knew that there was going to be a serious collapse of retirement funds and people's 401ks and things like that. So they were like, we need a bailout. We saw all these blue states. Now, this this part is true. You know, Cuomo, for instance, being like, New York needs money. And Trump was like, shove it. Too bad. Run your state better. <laughs> now we get the $1.9 trillion stimulus. And Republicans are calling it a bailout for blue states that are poorly managed. Well, so I don't they, know. They I, don't, two, I don't know about I mean, those they had the two, I mean, yeah, they had the $2.2 trillion stimulus a year ago. Right. Um, and it's covering the, the, I mean, look, New York's crumbling. They're, they're, the, the Metro, for instance, the MTA, mm-hmm. they're struggling to repair it. They're not making enough money as to how much it costs. So you had that whole situation with, with AOC where Amazon was going to come in, bring right. these 40,000 jobs, potentially $30 billion over 10 years. They needed that money to fix their train systems. That didn't, it didn't happen. And I, I guess. <laughs> Interestingly enough, with the, the amount of people that are probably leaving New York because of the, the lockdowns, I can imagine they're probably going to be making way for, um, you know, a vacuum of sorts. But I wonder, man, I mean, Bill de Blasio said he's going to buy up these buildings, turn it into public housing. I wonder if the economy is just worse than we realize, and they're not going to tell us because panic would only make it worse, right? Well, yeah, obviously. If they came out and said, my fellow Americans... Several large unions with hundreds of thousands of members put their money in dangerous places and lost the retirements of millions of, of middle class Americans. This is going to result result in a ripple effect that wipes out. If 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 they said something like that, yeah, people would freak out. Oh, 100 percent. Right. Crash the banks. Remember. Exactly. Remember what George W. Bush said after 9-11? Which part? <laughs> how, how old are you? I'm 33. All right. So you should remember this. Yeah. He said, go buy stuff. He's like, yeah. go buy stuff. Well, because the the, the 9-11 attack was in addition to being an actual terrorist attack on the the people, it was an attack on their financial center. And what he was basically saying was, if you want to help, go out and buy things to keep the economy moving. Mm-hmm. When When that attack happened and people are panicking, you get a natural reaction from a lot of people to stock up, store up, save your money and bunker down. Right. And he was like, no, 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 the machine's got to keep churning. You need to keep the machine going so we generate taxes, so we can pay for this stuff, so we can build new things. Go buy stuff. That's a scary prospect because that can't last forever, can it? Right. So so I, I don't know exactly, you know, if any of these uh, conspiracies are true. I would actually argue they're probably not. That's why we call them conspiracies. <laughs> but I will say you can look at the crisis in 2008. 
the mass printing of money. It was only a matter of time before we were going to see that bubble burst. It could not be maintained. Do you remember how much the 2008 bailout was for? It was like for, like for $989 million. Yeah, that I'm was, sorry, billion. That was what was on the books. I'm billion, reading an article yeah, not, here not from... Million, that's too small. <laughs> this article yeah. from MIT quotes a 2015 Forbes article that says we've paid back $4.6 of the $16.8 that we committed to that bailout over, I don't know how many years, 15 or 20 years or something. Now, this is Forbes reporting that. Okay. Um, I don't... If, if we secretly committed $16 trillion in 2008 and we're still paying it back... Maybe that's another explanation for why they just flooded the market with twelve trillion dollars. I mean, dude, dude, yeah. the Federal Reserve, the fractional banking, fractional reserve system, it is a stack of cards. It is literally a Ponzi scheme, and it works because we have guns. So at a certain point, it's gonna fall apart. Like you guys understand how this, how bank, how banking in this country works, right? Fractional reserve, as far as I understand, is the federal, the Federal Reserve will loan a bank. A million dollars. The bank then can loan out ninety percent of that, so they can loan out nine. They need to 000. keep ten percent on reserve, uh-huh. yeah. but they're not. Th- th- that loan is creating the money supply. Mm. Right. So when you when you give a hundred dollars to a bank, they can then loan out ninety dollars, which is created on the books, and then expanding to the another supply. bank. Then that other bank takes that ninety and can loan out well, eighty one. No, 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 not necessarily. They loan it to you. So they give you. So I I put a hundred bucks in, in in the bank of Ian. Then the Bank of Ian is able to give a $90 loan to the Bank of uh, to, to Siraj as an individual. Siraj well, I then get my own bank? You don't get your own bank. Not yet. But then you deposit Soon your 90 not. bucks. You deposit your 90 bucks into the Bank of Lydia. Now Lydia can loan out 90%. Whoa, whoa. This guys, this sounds a little bit racist. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about it. Well, I don't got a bank either. <laughs> oh, I thought you just okay, said wait, you had a bank. Here. <laughs> so so the, the point is a bank gives an individual money. The individual puts it in a bank. That bank then loans out. Then an individual loans puts it back in a bank. So it's just basically a stack of cards. Right. It's basically a game of hot potato. <laughs> and where the debt keeps stacking up, the interest becomes impossible to pay. And then Obama signs a massive stimulus. The money printing goes out of control. This was predictable a long time ago. I mean, when, when did we go off the gold standard? That was 1970, the, I think. 70s? Yeah, the 72, uh, 72, 72. 73 shock. You know, shock. You, do, you know, you know, do you know what the issue there was? It's really, really simple. If all four of us here in this room are trading, you know, $1 between each other. So it's like I give Ian a dollar in exchange for a high five. Then Ian gives Siraj a dollar in exchange for a high five. The only way to get that high five is to have the dollar and make it to you. So at one point I decide, you know what? I don't want to have to give away a high five to get that dollar. I want all the high fives for myself. So I tell all of you, hey, guys, I'm going to manage the money printer. Don't worry. I'll make sure everything's good. And then when you guys are paying attention, I just print money for myself. I don't do any work. Basically, what happens is we're able to fund all of these wars and all this conflict because the Fed can print out money, loan it to whoever they want without contributing anything to society. We've got missing missing uh, trillions of dollars on the books or whatever from the Pentagon, some some nonsense. We've not audited the Fed. We need we, we need to figure out how much money is being printed, who's it, who, who's it, who it's going to. And we don't know at a certain point. If they can just snap their fingers and, and create money on the books and we don't understand the system, other people are exploiting it, the house of cards is going to fall over. Yeah. That's it. And, I mean, you, you inspired me to make a great idea. I'm definitely going to start charging people for high fives. Yes. Particularly, That's the way to go. Specifically kids. 
You know, it, this is another aspect of the situation that bothers me is the oil economy, cause, because it's so obvious that we're moving off an oil economy onto like a nuclear economy or something. And, well, but people, still this, have, people still have an aversion to nuclear, so I don't think that's going to happen. Right, nuclear, nuclear fission. People yeah. are afraid of the dirtiness of corium meltdowns, but like fusion or like thorium reactors, which is also a type of nuclear, which mm-hmm. doesn't, isn't dirty, doesn't have corium byproduct. So we're, we're I mean, it's amazing tech, but there's this massive resistance because if we go off oil... They can't extort the the rest of the world to use our dollar anymore. Eh, that I mean, they bring up a valid point. I mean, think of how much oil runs our our society, um, and moving off of that. I mean, that's why there's such a huge push to obviously not go towards solar and wind. It's because the I mean, not I mean, it's, it's, not, not, it's, it's not, not it's not it's not it's not it's not efficient, not right? It's we not need, efficient. We, we need batteries, but also because the entire push is obviously like. You know, you got to focus on the coal industry. You got to focus on the oil and gas industry. And, you know, we as a nation are very conservative when it comes to changing where we're getting that money like from. Like the battery industry. Elon Musk had to make a company to build them. I know. Because the government wouldn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, why should the government do it anyway? So that we can get us off oil. But they don't want us off oil. They want us to keep buying tanks and of oil to keep in our base, yeah, right? And that's probably what, I mean, besides what people think of Elon Musk's opinions, I mean, Elon Musk is a... In many ways, he is a trailblazer because he is creating a renewable source of energy, um, but also commercializing space flight. And to uh, the powers that be, whatever that may be, uh, that's a threat. Because, you know, if, if you, if you it's, it's, cede it's, that power to Elon Musk. One word, bro. China. China. <laughs> They're not going to stop using fossil fuels. Right. Fossil fuels have an excellent energy return on energy invested. So we, these good and noble uh, Americans, know that solar, wind, geothermal, hydro, uh, you know, tidal and hydro, hydro, you know, damn electricity, all of these things are, are great cleaner alternatives. They don't produce that, 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 that carbon uh, emission, but they don't have a high enough return on the energy investment. In fact, to build solar panels requires a ton of oil, wind, wind, wind turbines as well. Plus we don't have the batteries for them. So the batteries. Yeah. So we need a continuous supply. So fusion is uh, uh, w- would be fantastic. Nuclear power. Absolutely. But, you know, the activists don't want that either. Yeah. And I have to wonder why that is, because that can really make us powerful. I mean, yeah. I mean, if someone figures out a way to make a car run on dreams and starlight, it's mm-hmm. over. Oh, yeah, definitely. Because then we're going to build spaceships and, you know, rockets and lasers. Theoretically, what would happen if we went off the oil economy? Not that we stopped using it, but that we stopped relying on it tomorrow because everyone had batteries and could charge everything. Well, we'd still have to kill people uh, overseas. (laughs) Right. Yeah. We got to make sure that we're bombing those kids. Otherwise, these other rambunctious countries will stop, you know, bending the knee to us. Oh, my God. Would China (laughs) gain power or lose power in the hegemony? If we get off the petrodollar, China just, it's done. They take over. Hmm. Because we couldn't extort our allies to fight for us? Allies? Who yeah. do you think we're extorting? We're extorting. Know, buying our oil. What are you talking about? Everybody hates us. Yeah. <laughs> here's Even how our here, allies here, hate. Here, here, is Britain buying our oil? Everybody. Everybody. Here, here's how, here's we're how, a net exporter of oil. It's not just that. If, if, let, let's say, you know, you're the country of Ian, right? And I'm the United States. Oh, do I get my own country? This yeah, you're, 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 you're actually, you're the, 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 the federation. The grand the principality the of, federation of the list. Yes. Yes. The, the federation of the list. It's multiple countries. You, you're, you, you get multiple countries. Excellent. So, uh, so we've got this, this trade federation over here and we got the country of Vienna and I'm the United States. Okay. I want oil. It's really simple. Hey, Fed, 
print me a trillion dollars so I can buy oil. They do. I buy oil. Thanks, guys, for all your hard work. Then Ian says, yo, I want oil, too. Okay, well, if you want these dollars, you got to pay up. Give me your money and I'll give you some dollars. I'll give you some of my Ian currency. And you're like, no, no, no. You need my currency to buy my oil. So exactly. You, you need if to you, buy my no, currency no, no. first. It's not, it's not my oil. It's your oil. You produced it in your country. And we force you to put it on the international market. And if you want to buy it back, you buy dollars from us first. Now, your trade federation, same deal. It's the oil produced in your own countries put on the international market. If you want some of it, you got to buy it in US dollars. So trade for me and I'll give you what I think is fair. What ends up happening is many countries have to be net exporters in order to keep the strength of their currency sound so they can buy U.S. dollars in order to buy oil, even if it's produced by them or someone else. So we know what happens to countries that talk about getting off the petrodollar. Hmm. Muammar Gaddafi, Mm -hmm. he wanted to trade in dinars. He died. (laughs) Cuba, too bad. Venezuela, North Korea. Saddam Hussein, he said, "Why, why not the euro? And he died. It's a really weird coincidence Maduro, how that happens, you know what Maduro's I mean? And, a then, villain and then there's the Qatar-Turkey pipeline, right? The U.S. wanted to build a natural gas pipeline through through Syria and Turkey into Europe. And then <laughs> Syria fell into civil war. What a coincidence. Yeah. It's really funny how all, all, all that goes down, isn't it? That is yeah, so if we stop using, if, if oil stops being that, like, you know, principal source of energy, then we don't have leverage over these other countries. Fiscally, yeah. Yeah, if fusion technology became rampant, like just just ubiquitous. And then all of a sudden we go to, you know, this one country and we're like, yo, you have been calling to buy dollars and oil from us. And they're like, oh, we got fusion. We're good. Really good example. You guys ever watch Rick and you watch yeah, Rick and Morty? Yep, yep. I know exactly what you're talking about. The, the battery. The battery episode, <laughs> yeah, battery right? Episode. So, so it just sounds like slavery with extra steps. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So so in in this show, Rick, his car breaks down. And his battery is a microverse or whatever. Right. Mini, yeah, I don't yeah, really yeah. It's a microverse, yeah. Yeah. So inside it. He's he's got this like little universe where he tells all these people to ste- step on these like platforms. It's like and, a DDR. Like, yeah, yeah like dance, a dance, revolution. Yeah, dance, dance revolution. And it generates electricity, which he siphons some off of. But then there's a scientist in that universe who creates another microscopic universe. Uh-huh. And so basically what happens is Rick shows up and he's like, yo, what's going on? You're not making electricity anymore. And they're like, don't worry, we figured it out. We don't need you anymore. So then he threatens to destroy their universe <laughs> unless they get back to generating his power for him. So the U.S., if we get one of these smaller countries, some, some small Middle Eastern country, all of a sudden they, they boom, fusion ignition. We got clean running energy. It is, it, is, it is generating tons and tons of power. And they go, we don't need oil anymore. Well, all of a sudden the U.S. is going to be like, hey, we haven't heard from uh, Ian country in a little bit. What's going on? Don't they need dollars to buy oil? So they show up one day on a diplomatic mission and they go, so, so you guys, uh, is something wrong? Do you need oil? No, nothing's wrong. Everything's great. We have what, fusion now. You have fusion. <laughs> yeah, we and, then he, your... and then he pulls out his Beretta and he what clicks it and he goes, <laughs> bang. <laughs> and then he goes, problem solved, guys. Oh, Anybody else want to use fusion power? <laughs> so look, look, I'm being, a, a, I'm being very, very facetious. It's much more complicated than that. It's not so simple. It's not like the, the US is a gigantic supervillain of a nation, but that is a big concern. I do believe if we ever actually reached fusion ignition, the U.S. would quickly use that to reshape the world in its favor. I don't think the U.S. is purposefully holding back electrical technologies, you know. And uh, it gets back to your point about China, because we're too, all of our interests, all of our politicians are basically sold out to them. And yeah. there's no, there's going to be no concerted effort or urgency to switch over to that because, the again, the status quo is that oil runs everything. 
if you want to win re-election, you got to continue making sure that the oil industry is is satisfied. Well, it's, it's it's not just that. It's the the so even if we perfect nuclear or fusion, it's going to take a long time and a lot of energy. How much can we allocate in that direction? The fear is China is building new coal power plants. They're absolutely exploiting fossil fuels, and fossil fuels have a tremendously high energy return on energy invested. So if the U.S. shifts to renewable energies or developing new power plants, we are at a disadvantage. China is rapidly expanding and growing, and it seems like we're losing that fight anyway. So So at this point, get the fusion online, baby. Do you think that there's a concerted effort behind the scenes for the United States and China to divide the world between them with a petrodollar economy? And they're letting us bicker about human rights violations, but they don't really care because for them it's business. No, what do you mean? China is, is about to overtake the U.S., and the U.S. is flailing and flopping about. But they know we could never go to war because of the nuclear conflict. So they're like, that's not ha. true. I mean, well, no, that we, we should never go to war. I mean, both well, governments you should no- never go to war for any reason. And nobody ever really wanted war. I think there are sometimes, some people, I guess, yeah, well, when, yeah, when, like, the military vicious, industrial complex wants war or like yeah. when there's like a marauding force slaughtering humans and you need to intercede like, like, like ISIS. Um, Bro, nukes will Al-Qaeda. be fired if, 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 if like the if, Huns. <laughs> nukes will nukes will be fired if if war breaks out. Right. So they don't want nobody really wants that, I don't think. Um but I wonder if there's this business class is using both these countries to basically partition the globe. And that's why there hasn't been a move on the human rights violations in the Uyghurs and at all. I don't think there's any grand plan to partition the globe. That's just that's that's too much. I think the grand plan is ultimately decoupling. Uh you mentioned, obviously, this aggression happened under any other administration. It has, but this would be the trajectory that China would be going down, regardless of whether Trump or Biden was in office now. Right. Um, because the idea is that right now, a lot of these global corporations, they can they can live off of China on basically selling a set of products just to the Chinese citizens and then a set of products to the rest of the world. Like they will actually manufacture stuff differently for two different audiences or two different I consumer mean, groups. That's that's true for a lot of factories. You know that, right? Yeah. Like when you go to Walmart to buy a TV, you're getting a different TV than if you buy it at Best Buy. People don't realize that. No, and I mean it. So if you go and there's a Sony or like you know a Sony, a Samsung TV at Walmart, made with different materials than the, than the Samsung TV at Best Same Buy. Same model, different materials. Yeah, well, that's my understanding. You know, I can fact check me on this one. I could be wrong. Well, I, I know Google specifically tailors their search algorithms for different countries, different different regions. Yeah. What do you mean? Yeah. If you if you Google different search right now, sure. and anybody listening, if you Google search auto repair, are they going to send you New York auto repair? No, they're going to know exactly where you are, and they're going to show you auto repair. I think they actually your area. give different tech, like different coding of their browsers and stuff. Like they gave China a specific browser that could be used to track the people, if I'm not mistaken, because China wouldn't let. Google into the country, so they had to like build a specific. Oh, yeah, yeah, well, they, they, they were working on what, what was that thing called? Dragon something, mm-hmm. and then they got the, Google employees Dragonfly? revolted. Yeah. yeah, Dragonfly something. Google employees revolted that yeah. uh, Google was working with China, so then Google backed off. Google's response was, "Well, if we don't go in and do this, yeah. someone else will. At least then we'll have some control." It's like, no, you won't. If you go when these com- companies go to China and they do, they have to open up a CCP wing of their company. They, they create like a, a division of the Chinese Communist Party and their companies. So they, I'll tell you this. If the NBA, if, if this is true, this is what we heard from China Uncensored. If the NBA has a, has, a, has a company, a branch operating in China, that would imply the Chinese Communist Party has influence in the NBA. In the United States as well as in China. Because they'll, they'll go to them and say, case in point, 
when the NBA banned the phrase free Hong Kong on customizable jerseys. Do you right. remember this? Yeah, I remember that. Vividly. That was in America. Mm-hmm. Why? Because the NBA in China, the Chinese went to them and said, don't allow people in America to say free Hong Kong. They went, you got it, buddy. And so when you try to type it in, it would give you an error. Right. Look, I mean, dude, we had uh, Blizzard, the, the, the gaming company. Mm-hmm. They have the game Hearthstone. One of the people competing held up a sign that said free Hong Kong. And so the player got suspended, created a huge controversy. And then they were like, oh, no, 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 no. They got suspended because it was political in general. And we're not all about that. It's like, no, dude, we get it. It's because you have people, you have a branch in China and China told you. So we're already there. Chinese Communist Party has its tendrils across the globe. And whether anyone realizes it or not, I mean, Bill Maher said it. We lost. Yeah. We lost already. I don't know. That is very pessimistic of him to say that. I think that we're definitely losing the military game but like if it's a grand game of civ and you can win with religion with culture with military with science i don't think they're winning across the board they're really really totalitarian like the people hate it in china from what i can tell they're just not allowed to say it so that we got that working for them or for us rather well you said something about decoupling i wanted to just yeah so decoupling means that you know trade between the united states and china you know it cessates there's no more trade and and so whatever relations that did exist no longer exist. And so you basically would have to rely on any manufacturing company that would exist, uh, say like a, say an Apple or a or a, a, a not Disney, but um, let's just let's just focus on Apple for a second. If Apple was manufacturing iPhones in China and say the United States and China decouple, then all of a sudden Apple has to figure out how they're going to manufacture their stuff and be able to sell that over in the United States, and the rest of the world. And overnight, that factory in China becomes property of China. Exactly. And then they have the iPhone fa- factories. And they make iPhones for themselves, and then we don't. Yeah. Let's, 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 let's move to uh, U.S. media real quick, because I want to advance the conversation. Quite. We have this tweet from Glenn Greenwald, which is going to blow everybody's minds. Oh, God. Glenn tweeted, <laughs> if, 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 if you're a critic of the media, you need to hear this. Glenn Greenwald tweeted, read this amazing section from Judge Silberman's dissent today in a defamation case before the D.C. Circuit on how an increasingly ideological, ideologically homogenized U.S. media is not only threatening core free speech values, but also the ability to be informed. In his dissent, he wrote, it is well accepted that viewpoint discrimination raises the specter that the government may effectively drive certain ideas or viewpoints from the marketplace. But ideological homogeneity in the media or in the channels of information distribution, risks rep- risks repressing certain ideas from the public consciousness, just as surely as if access were restricted by the government. To be sure, there are few notable exceptions to the Democratic Party ideological control. Fox News, the New York Post, the Wall Street Journal's editorial page. It should be sobering for those concerned about news bias that these institutions are controlled by a single man and his son. Will a lone holdout remain? In what is otherwise a frighteningly orthodox media culture. After all, there are serious efforts to muzzle Fox News. And although upstart mainly online conservative networks have emerged in recent years, I, I think it might go on. No, he, he, so he doesn't continue from there, but I'll read the next, uh, uh, the next section that Glenn posts. He said, it should be borne in the mind that the first step taken by any potential authoritarian or dictatorial regime is to gain control of communications, particularly the, particularly the delivery of news. It is fair to conclude, therefore, that one party control of the press and media is a threat to a viable democracy. It may even give rise to countervailing extremism. The First Amendment guarantees a free press to foster a vi- vibrant trade in ideas. 
but a biased press can distort the marketplace. And when the media has proven its willingness, if not eagerness, to so distort, it is a profound mistake to stand by unjustified legal rules that serve only to enhance the press's power. Absolutely amazing to, to hear that. But maybe it's too little too late. But I'll tell you this, it is absolutely true. How sobering, as Judge Silverman describes it, that the main resistance to demo- democratic orthodoxy in the media is Murdoch. So they said it's one really old man. And his son? Is that who they're talking yeah. about? Murdoch's son? <clears throat> Lachlan. Yeah. Lachlan? Yeah. But isn't, is, is Lachlan the one? Isn't, isn't he woke or something? Yeah. <laughs> It's over, everybody. Uh, Back it in. We're going home. And uh, welcome to your new cult. (laughs) I think we're incredibly resilient as humans. So if someone is speaking out against it, that means that means we have a chance. Maybe so. It's a dissent. I mean, is this is is this too little too late? I absolutely think it is, man. Maybe maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe I'm look, there's a lot of people watching this show (laughs) right now. And this is not a, a. you know what? No, no, no. I, I was going to say we're not ideological here, but we are absolutely oh, sure. ideologically motivated here. Classically liberal, libertarian, and socially liberal values represent the conversations we have here for the most part. There's a reason. It's really fascinating why leftists are so hard to book because they're, they're, they're an authoritarian orthodoxy. It's very hard to speak cl- uh, uh, safely when you exist inside the confines of their moral framework. That's why I've done numerous interviews. I did an interview in Berkeley with this woman. I'm standing in the street and I'm filming. Some woman walks up and starts talking to me and I'm holding my camera. I asked her some questions. She answered. She gave horrible answers. Five minutes later, she walks up to me and says, delete the footage. (laughs) No joke. And I said, I'm filming and you walked up to me. I'm not deleting it. And she was like, no, you have to. I don't give you permission. And I was like, I don't need your permission. You're in public talking to me while I'm filming. I don't try to generate controversy, though, so I blurt her face. I'm not trying to drag her. I'm not trying to get some random woman on the street in trouble with the woke. But I did want to show what she had basically said was conservatives who get physically attacked deserve it because of the way they dress. She said there was a woman wearing a MAGA hat. She was asking for it. Hmm. No joke. No joke. And so the issue there is when you think about the moral framework that exists in the minds of these people, when they say women who are wearing certain clothes aren't asking for it, but when it comes to Trump supporters, they are, it shows there's no actual principle behind their moral framework other than join the tribe or burn. She wanted me to delete the, delete the footage because her ideas would get her canceled. When people heard what she said, you can't stick your neck out. So many of these people, they do their shows, the priests of the orthodoxy. The guests we have on this show who are more than happy to come and speak are confident in themselves, in classically liberal ideals of, of freedom of speech and being and, ha- and being honest, expressing themselves. And they're not scared about what the woke mob is going to do to them. Well, that's I mean, I think you're that's an overstatement for me since I have a very low self-esteem, which is why I got into media so that my parents would know this who I am. There you go. You've succeeded. As, as for most of these journalists who work at mainstream publications. Um, yeah, you know, that's interesting. And that's that dissent, you know, I don't as as groundbreaking as that may be or earth shattering as that may be. If that were, say, any other if that were a celebrity that had, like, say, a red pill moment and said something like that, maybe Sarah Silverman. Yeah, she came out recently and said, I don't want to be associated with either party because of the elitism and the absolutism. Well, uh, what's her name? Um, oh, the name is escaping Rose McGowan. 
Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. When she had her moment, that was big. Yeah. That was huge, especially in the in the middle of a presidential election. She's like, I don't uh, what the the accusations of Tara Reid against uh, then candidate Joe Biden uh, was enough for me. And, and the way it was handled from her charmed co star Alyssa Milano. Yeah, that was enough for her to be like, I'm done. I, that, I, that's it. I want to be optimistic right now. You know why? They're not cool people. Who wants to be like them? You know, do, do you want to be one of these like easily agitated, panicky, finicky, woke culture warriors working for one of these publications? Some people, but it's remnants of the old world, right? So the New York Times has prestige. The great, was it the gray lady, the mm-hmm. paper of record? Mm-hmm. Young people grow up, millennials, hearing great stories about the prestigious the prestigious New York Times. It is my dream to be a Times journalist. Congratulations, they hired you, and now you complain about TikTokers. Is that what you really thought you were going to be doing? Or did you think you were going to be like meeting in a parking garage and some like source walks up and he's got a manila folder and he's like, please don't tell anyone I was here. Otherwise, they'll kill me. And you're like, don't worry. I'm going to expose these criminals. And ah. And then in reality, you're like, so the 17 year old on TikTok, you're never going to believe this. Like as a TikTok, TikTok mansion, right? But then like one of his friends showed up. That's what the New York Times has become. Ugh. Who wants to be that today? What young person who's actually on TikTok is looking at what, what, what these journalists at the New York Times are and going, I really want to be like that when I grow up. They're not doing that. So what's happening now is these, these, these woke culture warriors of, war, culture warriors of cancel culture at these big publications are not cool and nobody wants to be like them. Young people, especially. You ever seen the show The Boys? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. of course. No, th- it's it's very. Uh, I don't know why this conversation reminds me of that, but it's specifically in the storyline of the first season with Starlight, who is trying to get into the Seven of Vought. She wants. It's, it's for those that aren't familiar. She she's a, she's a superhero. She wants to join the big superhero organization. Right. Yeah. So, and then she gets there, and she realizes obviously this is all a big charade. You know, this is a a corporate entity. <laughs> they don't care about like actually. You know, saving people's lives, they care about the money flow. Yep. And, and so, you know, if you haven't watched it, highly recommend it. Um, and good por- show. It is a good show. Um, which it got off Amazon Prime because we're not basically pumping up Jeff Bezos's numbers, but, That's right. <laughs> but, but it's, it's, it kind of shows that classical trope of, you know, don't meet your heroes. Right. She, she yeah. really, really wanted to be this big hero, join this big organization. And then she realized it was actually really awful. Everyone sucked. Yeah. And she didn't want to be there anymore. But I think it's, I think, but that's like, but that is very much media today. Is no, that, but it's worse than that. No, I know. I, 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 well, I mean, we're no, talking no, no, about listen, a fictional right. show and comparing here, it to media. Here's, but. <laughs> here's, here's what I mean. In the show, The Boys, The Seven, which is like the Justice League, yeah. they're cool. They're celebrities. Everybody wants to be them. They're in the movies, they got endorsement deals. Who wants to go work for the Daily Beast to write about, I don't know, cats or something stupid that's nonsensical and made up? No, who wants to be that when they grow up? Nobody. So, so here's, here's my point. We've talked about how movies today going woke are becoming like Christian films used mm. to be. You know, like good, what is it? Good flicks or whatever? Uh, yeah, pure flicks. Pure flicks. And everybody, everybody always laughs and then that. like jokingly ribs me for like, hey, don't make fun of pure flicks. It's like watching those really, like, really campy religious versions of films mm-hmm. with, like, Bible Man or whatever and Veggie Tales and stuff. <laughs> veggie Tales. As, as these, as, look, <laughs> as the woke, as the woke cult takes over Hollywood, movies become preachy, boring, and nonsensical and uncool. You gotta watch, have you seen the new craft? No. You will absolutely hate it. Ugh. You know why? 
I don't care about the wokeness. It's not a good movie. It makes no sense. The pacing is off. I have no idea what the message is. And it's just like nothing happens, I guess. And then a guy bursts into flames or something. The whole movie is a woke PSA where they just keep giving off woke pot shots of like, they'll be walking down the street and then one person makes a comment about being trans. And you're like, what does that have to do with the movie? Like, why is this dialogue in the film? Because they want to make sure you know they're woke. The wokeness is more important than the storyline. Thus, they've created something boring that nobody wants to engage with. The movie will fail. And then kids who see it will grow up thinking, that's not cool. I don't want to be like that. If it's not cool and doesn't inspire youth, it won't it won't exist. Who are your heroes? My heroes? Yeah. Oh, they're mostly rappers, but they're not really heroes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I I actually no. My I have my heroes are like my dad, my grandpa, like my legitimate heroes. People I think are like through and through the greatest people I know. And I don't. The thing is, and that's exactly what it is. The never meet your heroes. I don't have any like celebrity heroes. But well, you said rappers. I like rappers. What, I like. It? I love hip hop. I lo- and like there are inspirations in how I can like I love this so make much. music. I love them. My my but, my heroes are Dave Grohl, Eddie Vedder. Man, it's musicians. Yeah, I know, but, it's but real the thing people. Is, yeah, I know it's the, the real people. But like I, you know, that's the thing. Is like I'm terrified of the one. You know, the the potential of meeting any of them because of how <laughs> yeah of, of getting super flawed. But they still inspire you. It's yeah. not. No, oh, bro, we all met our inspirations. Listen, listen, listen. Who are your heroes? I don't have any heroes. Did we, you used to? Never. Like, no. growing up, you never nope. watched people or... No, I'm too arrogant. I'm not even kidding. Like, I would, I would watch skate videos, and there would be, like, a pro who's, like, the best in the world. I and I'd be sitting there going, I can do that. My friends would be like, shut up. You're not going to tray flip a 10 stair. Oh, and you I'm need like, a new friend. Oh, yeah? yeah, yeah. And then I would go and throw myself down the stairs and get hurt. Let's I mean. go. Well, <laughs> the reason I brought it up is because... I was, not, I was not that good, but I was certainly arrogant enough to think I was. My heroes were ne- are not these people that write these pieces. I don't think anyone think looks up to these people and thinks i want to be like that guy that wrote no but they look at musicians they look at like great performers that's the real challenge in life and 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 it's mostly a way of how they think because you know musicians just generally think a different way they see sounds you know they 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 can they can compose music they can create stuff out of thin air and it's and it just resonates with i i think like it, it gives music, you chills and then you hear it like when you hear it your affects favorite you. song, like you ever get chills down your spine oh, when you yeah. hear that? All yeah. the time. Music Boom. affects yeah. us physiologically. Right. Like, you know, the beats, it's like, and it, it affects our brains in certain ways. It triggers emotions and we like feeling good and we like, we like being made to feel. So we like the people who make us feel that way. But there, there's something interesting about it. I will say though, we've already met our heroes because of Twitter and they were all awful. <laughs> Look, I, I would never I, I don't look up to actors and I don't care for actors. I think they're just actors. And I've never understood the obsession with like celebrity. I've always just been like, I don't care. I don't care. Who cares? Brady shaved their head, whatever. But now we get to actually meet these people. And we learned, you know, Chris Evans, for instance, Mark Ruffalo. They're really nasty people. Right. Chris Evans is OK. He's kind of nasty. Mark Ruffalo is one of the meanest people I've ever I've, I've ever seen on the Internet. It's like he just posts nasty things. David Cross, also a mean guy. And I'm surprised at how many comedians and celebrities are just nasty. It's really messed up. You look at Joe Rogan's Twitter. What do you see? Instagram. Instagram posts of like yeah. him eating steak and like his dog. Yes. And people like Marshall. Joe Rogan. You know why? Because when you see him for who he is, you're like, oh, he's, he seems like a cool dude. But then you turn to like some of these other comedians and movie the actors and stuff. And they're just posting nasty things, screaming, posting pictures of decapitated Trump heads. And you're like, I don't want to be around that. Well, you know what I mean? 
you know, this is this is kind of why the list exists. The list, the right? list of people who should have their phones taken. People away. People should have their phones taken <laughs> away because it's designed to save people from themselves. <laughs> And the reason for that is because, as you mentioned, people are really nasty online. But if you don't enforce the list, then what does the list really do? Well, that's why I went independent, Tim. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So Tell us gonna about be, that. There's going to be, there's gonna be like two guys in suits showing up to like Brian Souther's house, knocking on the door and be like, Brian, it's, it's time. And they take his phone from him. And just, <laughs> Boom. <laughs> so if I could do that, I'd do that right away. Yes. Brian Souther specifically. I'm looking for seed money. Anybody interested? Yes. Yeah, you're launching my, my, my Twitter DMs. You're launching a, a network, the Siraj, the, the, the Habibi network. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you like just went, just went live, just went like solo. Right? Yeah. Today, today is today is my final That's day. Big dude. Yeah. So maybe what you make will actually be something inspirational to young people, and they'll be like, "When I grow up, I want to make a list of people who should have their phones taken away." <laughs> well, the idea is that I don't do it forever, and I basically no, but you got to pass the list on. I got to pass the list on. But no, no, hold it's on. Like, but, it's like the Captain listen, America shield. Yeah. But listen, this is this is what I'm talking about. The list is important. You know why? Because it's funny, it's hilarious, and people block you when you put them on the list. So yeah. for, for those that aren't familiar, uh, by the way, your guest from yesterday, Kurt Schlichter, he blocked me because I put him on the list. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> All right. So basically, the way it works is someone tweets something really dumb, mm. and then if it qualifies for like you should have your phone taken away for tweeting that, you'll tweet at them like it's a meme post. There's yeah, one. There was like, one I think you know, the of writing you, hand emojis. Right. There was one of you as Consuela from Family Guy, I think. Mm-hmm. One of you in a, in a truck full of people with a coyote driving the car yep. and all the blue checks being taken away. It's funny. People see it and they laugh. There's going to be some young kid who's seeing the world of politics. He sees someone like Brian Stelter from CNN tweet something really dumb, like like Tucker Carlson is the new Donald Trump or whatever. Did you put him on the list for that one or no? Mm, that's a tame take, honestly. It, right, right. But some kid will see that post see everybody laughing, and he'll think, that's cool. It makes people laugh. It exudes strength. And what that person posted was really dumb. Yeah. I don't want to be like the person put on the list. I want to be the person naming people who should be on the list. Well, it's interesting because I've gotten criticisms like I'm a hall monitor or I'm, you know, I'm basically waging a harassment campaign against people, which is obviously not true. Try more. Um, I've had people... <laughs> have meltdowns about me putting them on the list like this is the i think of a a few people from very early on i'm talking like december 2019 when this thing was still like in its infancy and the reason why it came the reason why i started it it was literally one of those things where you know you kind of your recent twitter habits it's just like it just came out of thin air it was it was george conway dunking on his wife kellyanne in a quote tweet (laughs) he's he's the lincoln project and he is yeah the lincoln project guy and it was like one of those things where like, oh, no, you should never do that in public. Give me that phone, George. That is <laughs> Taking your phone <laughs> give away. Give me that phone, man. Um, and he is the first person I put at number one. And he doesn't have a blue check. He's not verified. But like everybody thinks it's because of, you know, there's a, everybody. Oh, they, the list comes for all. But like there's a higher standard to meet if you're not verified. Because literally anybody could just post whatever you want if you're, yeah, yeah, you're yeah. not verified. If you're verified, there's you know obviously like a standard that you you, you have to live well, up Well, yeah, to. you got the endorsement of Twitter. Exactly. Yeah. You know? I was so. thinking that some of the value of your work, too, is like you mentioned the resonation that you feel from a musician, mm-hmm. that vibration. Yeah. Also, you put yourself on camera and your voice. So you're creating resonance, literal physical resonance. Right. It's so different than just writing being behind a, a typing exactly. thing and putting words on the internet 
Like, that's how you really affect people, mm-hmm. in my opinion. I think this media, this internet video media is so powerful. I prefer video more than writing every day of the week. Oh, yeah. That was my strength. I mean, I was a commentary video writer. I, I mean, sorry, commentary video editor. I do edit videos, but, like, they had writer in there. I just, you know, because I did write from time to time. But, like, it was, if I, it turned out in probably, like, the last, like, three years of me being at the examiner is that if I wrote anything, it would all already be a video so like whatever yeah. you see in an article is really just like the script that i had in in uh, the video so it's it is a better way of reaching people because most people don't like to read i mean that's just kind of the way the world people have very low attention attention spans and well they can turn on a podcast and then go work on something else exactly you and can that's play why video podcasts games. have become so effective that's why audiobooks have become so so effective is that you can literally multitask as you're listening to this stuff and if you have to rewind you can rewind who cares? you know no one cares yeah you're free to do it but people play video games listen to podcasts they yeah. go to work that's very tough to do i don't know how <sighs> you just pause it when they say something really cool and then go rewind it Boom, and watch yeah. I mean, I've done that. You know, it's like you're making breakfast or whatever. You turn on a podcast and you said make laundry. breakfast. Yeah. It's like almost, watching TV or but something. But I almost always Twitch stream now when I play video games. I don't know. That's, that should probably just game offline for a bit. That, that, that'll, that's, it's going to be really interesting in the future because I see a lot of people, like everybody has a Twitch channel and they'll get like seven live viewers or whatever. And I'm like, who are these like seven people who are watching instead of playing and mm-hmm. doing the stream themselves? And what happens when everyone does and then everyone is streaming them playing a game and no one's watching? A lot of people playing. just have it on in the background. Hmm. Yeah. A lot of people. Yeah. So it's and it's, you you hear people saying like, so I'm gonna go uh, steal this car and then, <laughs> and then light this hooker on fire. Sometimes I'll play the game Heroes of the Storm. It's a MOBA multiplayer online battle arena game, and it sometimes it's just so stressful that I just want to watch other people play it, so I don't have to worry about winning or losing. I can yeah. just enjoy the process. I mean, I, I'm not very competitive at all, which means I suck, but. <laughs> <laughs> I do enjoy just like the interaction and the and the fun that you get with like if a, if you play with a community of people like just like the enjoyment and the jokes and laughter that you have with them. Um, yeah, some people just take gaming way too seriously, and that's mm. probably why uh, um, everybody wants to like crack down on gamers. True. What have you been streaming lately? Um, I do I do play the COD Cold uh, Cold War or Black Ops Cold War uh, Ghost of Tsushima. I'm trying to get into more of these uh, samurai games. I hear Nio as well as Sekiro are really money. Yeah, that's a, a Souls type game. Yeah, I, I, I do. Games. I am playing Demon Souls on PS5. Very difficult game. We but. we we actually have a streaming rig for gaming. We're, we're setting up. Oh, nice. There's a lot of expansion on the way. The first thing we have to do is create the new Timcast.com website. Then we've got to create the new brand website for all verticals, gaming, mystery podcasts, and all that stuff. But uh, it'll 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 happen when it happens. I guess we're going to be hiring and just got to grow organically. It's not yeah. it's not super easy to just do outright, but it's coming. But uh, how about we go over to Super Chats? Yeah. To see what everyone else has to say, my friends. If you are listening and you have not already smashed that like button. You should, because it is greatly appreciated. And go to TimCast.com, become a member for exclusive members-only segments. And I'll, and I'll for everybody, actually, we got a super chat here. I'll just read it. Will, uh, again, you know, for some reason, YouTube always blocks the name of the first super chat, so I can't yeah. see it. But they ask, will we see the Chicken City Ooh. this weekend? We did actually, it's, it's not a big city. It's just like four little chicken houses. <laughs> we have it built. It is 99% done. We just have to add one more security layer it's this big fenced off area, and then we've like dug into the ground so that there's it's it's just, it's pretty secure. But the issue is, we wanted to go get chickens, and it's still a little too cold. So we were supposed to be able to bring the chickens out to the chicken city this week. I think we're gonna wait because they're still a little small and it's still a little cold out. 
colder than we expected it was going to be. So it might be another week, but maybe we will finally film something. And I always keep saying that, and it's like never happens. So uh, fingers crossed, it's there. It's a Potemkin village. Yeah, it really is. Yes, a ghost, uh, <laughs> a chicken ghost town. Well, there's sure, no chickens in it. Are you yet. sure it's not a chicken microverse? Yeah, microverse. Ooh, yeah, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna powering we're, we're powering gonna, all the electricity the, in the studio. <laughs> the chickens are very young. You you just mentioned that the chickens yeah, are like yeah. kind of babies still, they're right? Little, they're yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Like adolescent. They need uh, uh, they're they're good to go now to be on their own outside, like they're big enough. But, uh, you know, I, I, the guy we bought them from was like, you might lose some, but, uh, you know, you'll probably oh. be fine. And I was like, oh. well, just keep them inside yeah. for another week just to be safe, right? Yeah. They should be fine, though. In the temperature. Oh. Yeah, right now. But uh, I would think we want to be safe. But uh, uh, maybe I'll just, we'll film some of them doing chicken stuff and yes. show you what we got going on. Chicken stuff. All right, let's see. We got Mr. Pool doesn't call on me, says, Tim, how does it feel to go from super white and not cared about to suddenly top of the oppressed charts and everyone loves you? It's uh, it's what I've always dreamed of, you know. <laughs> so, so as you know, like uh, Asian people were called white mm-hmm. for the longest time. Yeah, and so I'm I'm double white basically. I'm double white too. Yeah, you oh, see, okay. there you go. Yeah, and then, but but now Asians are an oppressed group again. Hell yeah! How did and that so, happen? Let's go. <laughs> what happened? Uh, Somebody got a, people got attacked, and now they're yeah attacking? the Atlanta shooting. Did you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've heard about it, but yeah. that's all it was. Well, well, it was a, I mean, it was a couple was also of other like, hate, an, yeah. hate, hate crimes, uh, a lot out, of hate crimes. Out in no. like Oakland and San Francisco. There was a big march against white nationalism to help support an Asian man who was attacked by a black guy uh-huh. in New York. Makes and then sense. and then a few other... There was a grandma, an Asian grandma who was, uh, who was yeah. attacked. Oh, and she beat the guy with and a she stick. Beat, yeah, ah. she beat the crap out of him. That's oh. weird. I, I don't know what the full story is on that one, though. Yeah, I really hope somebody got soft but, video of that. This big protest in New York, I bring it up because that was one of the big, you know, things we saw of like thousands of people marching against white nationalism, which was like a weird thing to march against. <laughs> but uh, it did generate attention for the hate crimes against Asians. So now we had that uh, uh, that incident that occurred in Atlanta where this guy was like a sex addict. And so he was going to he was accusing these shops of being like, you know, rub off shacks or whatever. And then he, he killed a bunch of people. Yeah, he killed eight people. Yeah. So uh, I believe six of them were Asian. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So, so he Chinese. wasn't, from what I heard, he wasn't targeting uh, any well, ethnicity. Depends on what you read. I see. That's the thing is that we don't, again, the investigation as it plays out, we will see. Because I don't know anything. I don't know much about this guy. Yeah. And I don't know if he had animus towards Asians. It's possible. Wait, wait for the facts to come in. And that, I mean, the unfortunate thing is, you know, as we were talking about how there's like two different Americans, uh, two different Americas. With competing information, this is one of those things where there's wow. competing information about it. Yeah. So, yeah. well, look, what we know about what the guy claims is that he was an, he's a sex addict, and then you get the media, the, mostly the left media, trying to claim it doesn't matter what he says. <laughs> and then you have that that tweet from this woman who said she was like, "Just a rule or something. You don't get to decide if you're racist. It's your actions that everyone else gets to decide if you're racist or not." So I was like, "Then I've decided based on your yeah. actions, you're racist." That makes you racist. So, yeah. and if you deny it, that's proof. It also reminds rules. me. You remember in like 2015, there was a parking dispute in North Carolina and an apartment complex, and one neighbor, a white man, shot and killed three. Muslim Americans. I don't remember that. No, young people. They're like all in their late teens, early twenties. Whoa, yeah, sucks. And everyone said, "Yeah, this is Islamophobic." I think I was on the bandwagon of saying, "Yeah, that's straight up an anti-Muslim attack." Um, And we, I don't even know if we still know the answer whether he actually had animus towards these towards Muslims. I think crime. But it was it was one of it was yeah it was like it was a it was a brutal murder, 
and it was horrific. And this guy's now, sent, I think he's in, uh, serving life in prison. But uh, it, it was one of those things where, like, is it a hate crime? It, the, the thing, the evidence of what we saw at the time did not really add up. But the fact that he murdered three Muslim, uh, obviously two of two were women in hijab uh, in the head covering. Um, it was that was a, another one of those types of debates where they say correlation is not causation. Right. I think I think, look, a crime's a crime. Why should we criminalize motivation? Because then we're trying to. Read well, I mind, mean, because right? because the hate crime, the, the idea like because hate crime I guess, carries a more severe penalty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, if someone commits murder, they commit murder. You know what I mean? Well, I, I, I get that. But it's, you know, there is such so thing should, as malice and intent. And So and, then we should have... Okay, so if you commit a murder and there's, like, no known motivation, it's just murder. But if you commit murder to steal money, then it's larcenal murder or financial murder. And then if you commit murder because of the clothes they were wearing, then it's fashion murder. And then we'll have different levels of punishment based on what you were feeling before you murdered the person. Uh, I mean, there is politically inspired. I mean, if they are talking about the fashion stuff, I mean, who kills? I mean, they're, I mean, he was wearing a vest, vest are out of style. <laughs> well, so, I mean, look, think about all the people that get murdered for their shoes here's, or their here's, chain. Absolutely. So here's the issue. You know, in DC, if you see a guy in a MAGA hat and you beat him, it's a hate crime. I don't know. But, in, if, no, but if he doesn't in, have in, a hat in, on, in, in DC, in DC, if you punch a guy and said it's because he was wearing a MAGA hat, you committed a hate crime. Oh, if, if you say in, it's because of it, if well, not if, just if he has look, it on. The, this is the problem with hate crimes. Like, if there's a dude walking down the street wearing a MAGA hat and someone punches him, that person can be charged with a hate crime because political class is a protected it, uh, politics is a protected class in DC for obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. The, the the issue I take with it is that we're trying to figure out people's in people's like internal morals and motivations instead of looking at them and saying he punched a guy well intent does mean a lot especially in our criminal justice system because if i mean that how do you de- how do you decipher between self-defense and murder okay so if some guy it's robs a, if, if a guy robs a bank and there's two guys they both rob a bank one guy did it because he wants to buy you know an infinity pool you can't really afford that with what you get out of a bank but he wants to rob a bank because he wants you know brand new shoes the other guy does it because he's starving to death. Okay, fine. The guy who is starving, he gets a free pass because that was starving robbery versus greed robbery. You see the point? I understand what you're All saying. All we know is someone went in and said, I'm robbing this bank. When we, when, when we get into the hate crime arena, we're, we're trying to read people's minds to determine what was the cause of the crime in the first place instead of just universally saying, dude, if you punch someone, you go to jail. I think they, they actually decriminalized thievery of food in another country. Do you remember hearing about that? Oh, yeah, San Francisco. Might as well call California another country. <laughs> yeah, seriously. In a di- it might have been another country also, but yeah. that's in San Francisco. Yeah, if if someone's San poor Francisco. and starving. Shoplifting. Yeah. yeah and, oh, no, there's one where they're poor and starving and they and, steal and food. Like, and I think hook. in Virginia and like Michigan, the cops can't pull you over for like expired plates or blowing a stop sign or failing to turn signal or something like that. Smelling like weed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like you don't signal and you blow a stop sign and the cop can't pull you over. All right, there you go. So, any, anyway, look, I understand the idea of hate crimes. I'm just like, if you hit someone with a pipe, that's a aggravated assault. You think that like trying to measure intent leads to thought crime and like the thought police? Partly, it's it's you're not going to read someone's mind. Like, well, so, yeah, so there's look, no there's no way to fully know what somebody's intent is. And so here's in their heart. Here's the problem. I don't I don't care, you know, why this guy in 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 Atlanta did what he did. I care that he did it. I care that innocent people lost their lives. 
And he had he, he they're now trying to mind read. You got one, one one outlet being like, it's clearly racist. And the other outlet saying, no, 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 he was addicted to sex. No, 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 he was racist. Even though he doesn't say it, we know. And it's like, can you give me the name of the people he killed? The people he killed? Can we give us? Can we get a ceremony for the victims? It was days before we realized who any of these people were because the media was too busy arguing about whether or not the guy was racist or not. Well, there's there is the aspect of like prevention in the future. So if you want to avoid something like this happening again, you need to understand their motivations in order to make sure whatever the warning signs were for this particular shooter uh, and suspected murderer uh, is that. This doesn't happen to another person. I feel like you guys are both making extremely good points right now. It's kind of weird. It's kind of blowing my mind. I don't know how you. Well, that's a first for me. <laughs> how do you? How do you? How do you stop somebody from committing? You know, from from hating. How do you stop someone from hating? It's a natural human experience. People hate things. Well, like if he killed because he was because he was starving, or if he killed because he hated the person's race, then you know, like, what problem do I need to address? Do I Great. Need to... Good point. How do we stop the hate? Either either. Well, it, as a with like family, I mean, this is a deep conversation. Yeah. How do you, how do you stop someone from hating someone else? Um, Reeducation camps, maybe. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Jesus. <laughs> oh, 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 wait, wait. Ban speech. Oh yeah. If they can't hear the hateful ideas, God, they can't become hateful, right? Works so well. I you know, see you've been you know, to Canada. Here, here. This, uh, wait, this wait. Is if they, can, if can they I, express I, the hate, arrest them. That way, they can't act out on it. Oh, yeah. This is something that I actually learned um, very early on, growing up, and the one thing that helped break down stereotypes was traveling. Because yep. I lived abroad. I lived in Lahore, Pakistan for six years. And through there, I was able to travel to different parts of Asia, Africa, Europe. Um, and uh, that was definitely an eye-opening experience. And while not everyone is in a position where they could do that, um, I mean, that would be, for me, that is how just literally interacting with different parts of your community, honestly. Because you man. don't know how other people... Oper- you, you will find that more people are just like you if they are part of another community and you find that you have more in common with them. Once you build that little consensus, you can see them as human beings. Right on. Well, let's read some more Super Chats. Zabrusi Willis says, man, it's weird seeing your old videos and comparing them to where you guys are now. American dream, baby. Yeah, it's just uh, it's just progression and goals. You see, this is the advantage of skateboarding growing up where you're constantly learning a new trick. Every day I would go out, I would be like, what's the new thing I'm going to do today? And before you realize it, actually, I'll, I'll, I'll rewind. The path, the journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. So you know how I started this, all, all this stuff on YouTube? I had a GoPro 4 and I would put it on top of my monitor and press record. And then I would talk for 10 minutes. Yes. Then I would stop it. And I would upload it. And that was it. Yeah, me too. And then eventually I was like, I can make this a little bit longer and add some, some, um, some other stuff to it. I can add like articles and quotes. And I started doing that. And then I started a new channel where I started doing more videos. Then I got a better camera. I got a Sony thousand frames. It was a super, super nice. All of a sudden the audio was a little bit better. And then eventually I was like, I should get an actual microphone. I should get an actual camera. And then from that, I learned how to build everything. I learned what, you know, how to set up a podcast studio. And then within like a year and a half, I was having a podcast recording setup. Yeah. And then once we started, uh, I think it wasn't until we started IRL last year that I actually switched to these microphones. I love these mics. I used to use Good. high quality cinema grade shotgun mics. So they would be mounted on top of the camera in front oh, of me. Those are the worst. 
No, these are these are beautiful. Oh, oh, I thought you said they're like literally hanging out in front of the camera and like they're projecting. Is that what it is? Like Sh- shotgun microphone? Yeah. yeah, it creates a cone. Yeah, capture- a cone. yeah, yeah. That's what I would use. But these were like movie grade, the kind that uh-huh. they would use for capturing audio, like in an outdoor scene in a movie, like really expensive. And uh, these are these are substantially cheaper, and in a lot of ways better mm-hmm. these, these mics we use now they don't pick up audio from everyone else it's really just you mm-hmm. and that's why i needed to switch because when it was just me recording i had this really expensive cinema grade microphone and it was great these are a lot cheaper these are the sm7b by the Everybody way uses incredible all right let's read a little bit more adrian sutton says come on tim you said i am excited for a biden presidency i will be laughing and smiling the entire time what happened man um I don't want to laugh at Biden for falling downstairs. And it is uh, perhaps I was a little too optimistic on the course we were going to be moving forward with. I will say when Biden won, I was laughing. That was hilarious. And uh, that's what I was like. If Biden wins, I'll laugh. As for the Biden presidency, there actually is a lot you can laugh about. But it is getting really dark with the escalation of between China. And so perhaps... You, uh, it, it, it is it is just a, a cold splash of water in the face. I thought, oh, you know, it's going to be fine, whatever. And now we're kind of starting to see like it's actually a little darker than we realized, or at least that I realized. By the way, uh, I had too much faith in the man. I guess. Uh, how 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 ironic is it that the Biden administration this is through the Daily Beast report? I'm sure you. I'm sure some of you have seen it when it, they were basically sandbagging and sidelining there. Uh, members of their administration for smoking weed. Oh, oh yeah. Yes. <laughs> I wasn't that. Com- apparently, President Kamala. She's, she's yes, in charge. We knew it. Insane. We knew it. Apparently, they said, how many of you smoked pot? Don't worry. We won't punish you if you tell us. <laughs> and they were like, I did. You're fired. <laughs> That's funny. That's hilarious. Come I'd on. I laugh at that. Yeah. So, and the wow. fact that Kamala is like, yeah, I smoked weed. Uh-huh. <laughs> I listen to Snoop Dogg and Tupac. Yes. <laughs> and boom, you're fine. Get out of yeah, here. Bye. So we got, a, we got a great one here from Evil Zombie Hamster. He says, for that rant on Monday, waited until payday for the Super Chat. Everyone should listen to that rant. Uh, if you guys are familiar with whatever that rant is, then make a clip of it and uh, feel free to upload it to social media or whatever. Yeah. Basically, uh, I was talking to somebody. He was making a point about how me and Carl Benjamin changed. And then I went on like a three minute rant about how yes. people like were co- cowardly and gave up on the political fight and have, you know, given into censorship because they're scared and blah, blah, blah. All right. Who see Joe gang says first time super chatted also became a member last month. You guys are the truth. Keep up the good work. We will Dude, try. What is up, man? Oh, yeah. We're going to keep doing it. Rock on. Serp YouTube says. Everyone here should check out the latest on Skycoin interview with Adam Stokes and the dev. The Coin and Skywire project is wildly ambitious and aims to build a kind of decentralized parallel internet of sorts. Tons of crazy political info there, too. Weird. Sounds cool. Ja B says that video of Biden stumbling is suspicious. There are six servicemen standing there and no one moves. No one is talking about it. Yeah, when Biden tripped, I guess... Some people expect the servicemen to run up and try and help mm-hmm. him, but it was literally only like two or three seconds. Yeah. He looked like he recovered. You know, when I'm like running upstairs, sometimes I like, you know, hop yeah. up and down, you right, know, yeah. I trip all the time. Every single time I do that. <laughs> and I it looked before. like Biden was doing that too. Yeah. And for, in some ways, you know. He was I, trying to like hop up. Some yeah. 
He's trying to pull a Siraj, and you know that's, <laughs> that's right. Jacked his left shin, and, and CNN ran the segment during the pre- uh, during the Trump presidency, saying, "Is Trump scared of stairs?" <laughs> they said, "Does he have bathmophobia, where he's unreasonably scared of stairs?" And I'm like, maybe he just knows that if he slips, they'll make fun of him, so he's very cautious right. to like be on his toes. And then there's this one clip where they did mock him because he walks up a, a runway and then he wobbles to the right, and they're like, "Haha, Trump almost fell." But then you actually look at the photo. Trump was nowhere near falling, and it looks like he was just screwing around. Like he went woo. Well, what was the graduation ceremony last year? The what was it? The army, army, yeah. a military academy. Oh, he was yeah. walking down the ramp, and everyone was like, "What's wrong with President Trump?" So he's got, yeah, the the man's got a physical disease. He shouldn't. He's not. Yeah. He's not fit for office. He was wearing dress <laughs> yep. shoes and like going slow, so he yeah. didn't slip. Uh, yeah, I mean, you have you fun. have. I mean, over the course of the Trump presidency, you have stories from uh, Brian Stelter, others. Who, you know, there was a letter from like 700 different psychologists trying to diagnose, diagnose, uh, President Trump with a mental illness from afar. And I mean, like the, the stuff never stops. I am interested to see how this fallout compares because I'm already seeing stories from, say, like the New York Times saying, Oh, you know, President, President Biden's 100% fine. Have you seen the movie hoaxed from Mike Cernovich? I have not. There's this really, get, really great point in it where they show uh, a clip from, I think it's a 60 minutes interview with Scott Pelley. And Pelly is criticizing. I did see the Scott Pelly in interview. So he, on he, 60 minutes. He, he criticizes Cernovich. He's like, "You claim that Hillary Clinton is sick," and he goes, "He's like, no, I cited a medical a medical doctor." And he goes, "Well, how can that doctor, you know, uh, uh, know that he's sick?" And he makes he's he's like, "Well, how do you know she's not sick?" And he goes, "Because the camp the, the Clinton campaign told us." And he goes, <laughs> "Why do you trust the Clinton campaign?" And the dude literally fumbles and drops his glasses <laughs> because Cernovich made a really good point. When they were criticizing Trump, saying Trump's mentally ill or whatever, because the doctor said so, it was a fact. When when they did when conservatives did the exact same thing to Hillary, they were like, "Oh, you're lying and making it up." We get it; it's a double right. standard. So, All right, Silberman wasn't off, man. We got the GC Geek Army saying, "Tim, awesome to see my Habibi in the compound." What up? What What does Habibi mean? Habibi means like it's Arabic for like my my friend, my dear, oh. my love. It's a term of endearment. Oh. So you can use it for guy, girl. Oh, thank you. So, yeah, Habibi, Habibi. My friends, I had a friend who used to say Wody all the time. It's like a southern term for a male friend. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I guess it's Wody and Shoddy. Shoddy. Okay. Yeah, Shoddy's yeah. a female. Friend. Yeah, female. Bo. Vosht, nineteen eighty-five says we are not in a democracy. Never have been. The Times article about the cabal should have made that very clear. They just made sure the rules were on their side, so the results went their way instead of the way people wanted. I think the the best way to describe what happened is the it's fortification of the election. The rules are there. You can see what the rules are. It's like the, it's the Matrix, man. Right? The agents in the Matrix can move all fast and crazy, right? But they follow rules. So when Neo finally figures it out, he learns how to move all fast and crazy like they do. Boom. That's it. So the when they fortify an election, they're basically like the agents. They make the rules the way they are. And a lot of people just don't know how to use them. By the way, one of the very first list memes was when I was I was Neo in that last scene of the first Matrix where he's he stops the bullets. Yeah, it's literally me with a pen and a <laughs> writing up a, a blue check. I love it. <laughs> All right, Lee four four six six says saw your video on the Ford plant today. I work there and I voted for Trump, and I'm not the only one. Despite popular belief, there's a lot of right leaning union members, especially with Trump. That I know. The curly afro says China has to keep Tibet for their water supply. 
Xinjiang for oil and South China Sea for Blue Water Navy to solidify their rule. They have two of the three. Yeah. By the way, you guys been up on March Madness? Negative. <sighs> no, but I did see that woman who was screaming about the weightlifting room. You see that one? I did see that. That was, that, that was, that was a messed up thing that the NCAA did. They gave the women this tiny little rack with yeah. like tiny little weights. <gasps> and they said that the, the NCAA's uh, excuse, they said there wasn't enough space. She takes a video. There's There's an entire like conference room not conference room i'm sorry like they're like in a convention center there's oh, wow. plenty of space it's just it's, i think matt walsh called it out and he said one is entertaining and one is not oh my god or something like that <laughs> well so listen <laughs> there 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 is an issue uh i knew i i know uh, a bunch of women who can well this is a while ago now i haven't you know hung out at the x games in a decade or so but i i actually been to the x, uh, the x games a couple times as like an all-access team manager friend of these athletes I knew a couple of the female pros. People don't go to those events. So what had happened was early on, they were paying the women like 10% of what the men were getting paid. And they're, they, they straight up told the, the female athletes, it's because we don't sell tickets. You know, you're like, you're, you're getting a lot of money, but people don't show up to watch you skate. So what do we do? They ended up winning the right to equal pay because they were like, that's your problem. And that's true because women's tennis does well. Mm-hmm. They were they're like, if you can't market this properly, then why is it on us? We are the ones performing. We are the ones, you know, coming here to put on the show for you. And then you can't sell tickets. Sounds like you got to fire your marketing guy. Yeah, that was actually the best argument I've ever heard for it. Yeah. So when people talk, talk about like the WNBA and they're like, yeah, well, nobody wants to show up because it's boring. I'm like, nah, it's marketing. It's marketing. Yeah. If you've got if I don't care, you know, look, women's U.S. women's you uh, the U.S. women's national team. Other than the men's team, then maybe may maybe people say it's better than the the more people watch the the, the matches of the the so- the national soccer team um, because they've won four World Cups, right? And right, they're just right. So dominant, and it's a matter of marketing. It is. So, like, I think about going to a music venue. Look, I've gone to see shows from people. I've seen sold out shows from people who are not the greatest singers in the world because they're good. It's good marketing. Mm-hmm. They know how to how to get you entertain how to entertain you and make you have a good time. And so I'm not going to blame, you know, the person who's doing their job. I'm going to blame the person who's not doing their job. Yeah. Granted, no. I, I understand what people are saying. I'm about- just going to I'm just going to blame Ohio State for yes. uh, completely messing up my bracket. I chose <laughs> you to win in both of my brackets. And this oh, is how no. you treat me. They were supposed to win. Terrible. I had Ohio, Michigan, Ohio State, Michigan in the final. Complete, All right. Completely blew it. Sorry. Someone, someone's calling me out. Nadia shall worry no more says, Tim, your POV on U.S. future against China has, has been pretty negative. It's very contagious and has gotten me down and nervous. You have so much influence. So say it with me. I would rather die on my feet than buy Chinese. Oh. Keep your chin up, guys. Here's the problem. You don't know what's coming from there. And not only that, <laughs> you might true. buy something that's made in America and not realize that components of it are made in China. Right. Assembled in America, you'll see a lot of now. Yep. Yeah. Assembled here. Oh. Components from yep. China. Well, I do think we have to do better to get more stuff made in America, that's for sure. Yeah. So I'd love we'll, to we'll, make a graphene company here. I've talked about it before. Yeah, we'll we'll keep that in in our minds. Mm. Um graphene solid state batteries. Definitely. Sodium. Okay. Hennessy Drew says, Tim, you only ever mentioned the Patriot that died in Portland. You are forgetting the other guy in Denver. Mm. Oh, that guy in Denver, he was yeah. killed by that security guard who yeah. was like a, a progressive activist, but he was there working as like faux security and he wasn't legally allowed to be. That was the Denver guy, right? Yeah. Track Media Only says they don't want peaceful divorce. If they ever changed, then it would be to consolidate and then later come for the other half. 
Dems want it all. And communism is all about give your stuff to others. I don't think the establishment Democrats are communists. I think they're short term gain individuals. They're like, they're going to extract and exploit whatever they can. But there are communists on the far left who are willing to it, who like are sitting in wait, letting the Democrats burn everything, burn everything to the ground so that they can come and pick up the scraps and then get their communism. You say so, short term is a great way of looking at it. It's like with this hate crimes against the Asian people. Like it's like a, a knee jerk reaction. Something happens and then they make these sweeping. I don't know who decided they're on the the minority list or whatever the heck this list is, but it's like a little something happens and then they immediately change. It's like you got to think of the big the big picture. It should have never been. I don't know. E.W. says, Ian, the government didn't create the oil industry. The entrepreneur did stop looking at government to answers. They have none. Also, oil isn't going any going away for a while. You need it for jets, trains, semis. And also, petrochemicals will always exist. That's definitely right. Yeah, but the government broke up Standard Oil. I mean, if we had let Rockefeller create an oil empire, um, that would have been way worse than where we're at right now. Well, say la vie. Brandon McGuire says, if I were China, I would just wait until the left has taken our guns away. The inexperienced military would, would be no match for ours. Add in all of us proud American gun owners and millions of veterans. See ya later, mommy. Spike Dude says, have any of you guys played the Metal Gear series? I think Hideo Kojima was secretly a prophet. Yeah, there was something about uh, Metal Gear Solid people were talking about, weren't they? I don't know. Something in it that played, like was prophetic. I played the first Metal Gear. For the Nintendo? Nintendo? Oh, yeah. Two. For Nintendo? Yep. Oh, no, no. I played I play that. The original Metal Gear? Metal I don't Gear. Know. Not the original on the Metal NES. Gear. Yeah. No, like I, played, I played that on PS1 and PS2. God. Metal Gear Solid? Yeah, Metal was, Gear Solid, yeah. Yeah. God, those were lit OMG Puppies says the key to fusion is high temperature superconducting magnets. Check out an excellent video, MIT's Pathway to Fusion Energy by Zach Hartwig. Great overview of the science and engineering of nuclear fusion. Very cool. Panda Bang says that fiat currency is a good thing. The gold standard was bad. The situation at the border is good and we should be grateful for immigrants. Yes. January 6th was worse, worse than 2020. Uh -huh. uh, at Ian, free the graphene. Free the graphene. Free the graphene. <laughs> You're yes. right. Uh, let's see. Tesera says, I lived next to Tyndall AFB and saw the F-35 in flight. Six of them hovered about 250 feet over the highway. Ooh. They made no sound, even underneath. People in Panama City will testify they have active camo. We've all seen it. Wow. What? What is that? That's like crazy. Camo jets or something or what? I looked that up. F-35? Secret weapons. Paul Luckett says, sorry, Tim, it's getting difficult to watch your content. It's all doom and gloom. The battle is over. Give up and lose hope. This message gets, people's down, get, gets people down. Depression is already too high. We need to try to spread more hope. Hmm. Well, I do try to be somewhat optimistic in that these, these woke people are really destroying themselves now. And the more fun, funny people seem to be doing better, better and better. So maybe it's just, you know, the night is always darkest before the dawn and hmm. things are starting to turn around. Maybe maybe we'll we'll pull out of this by 2024 and things will improve. Dylan Percher says Ian is correct. China may be ahead for now, but so was Germany and Japan in the beginning. Decoupling is correct as well. Look into Peter Zehan's work. He lays it out. As for Apple phones, manufacture can be moved back and 3D printing will be cheap. Ah. There you go. 
Turk Longwell says that guy in his lists. F him. Sir, who made you the official list maker? Love the show. All, uh, love the show. All always on point. Smash the like button and spin it. Smash that like button. Your hatred gives me life. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Wynn says, all I'm hearing from Greenwald is it's time to end New York Times v. Sullivan in order to smack the news media in the mouth hard enough to stagger them because they lie. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I might agree with that. It's tough. What you, is you, it? Times v. Sullivan set yeah. the standard where news media is allowed to, they're allowed to lie about someone mm -hmm. if they didn't know it was a lie. Hmm. So you like, can't measure if they knew or not. It's really difficult. And so they, these lawsuits often get smacked down. So here, here's the way it works. If there's a guy named like John Smith and he's a carpenter and the New York Times says that he, John Smith, you know, punched a puppy in the face, he can sue them for defamation and it will like immediately go through because he's not a public figure. They need to prove like it doesn't matter if they knew it or not. They lied about him. If they write a story saying Siraj punched a puppy, they can say, well, we genuinely thought it was true. So. And you can't sue them. Even if you're like, show me the proof. The Doesn't matter. Really? Yeah. That's a problem. They're called anti-slap laws. Huh. Strategic lawsuit against public participation. Interesting. So long as you have a reasonable belief that something is true, you can essentially defame people. So they use very clever ways to do it. They'll say like, while Siraj is, uh, uh, did not punch the puppy, he's known to push puppy punching. And then you're like, what does that mean to push puppy punching? Dare you. What does that mean, push? And then they'll be like, oh, when he was seven, he you know, he, he pushed a, a photograph of a dog getting punched. Uh, yeah, that's kind or of they'll just say a source told us. It's actually really funny you bring that up because of my, my dog, Ernie, yes. and uh, the Habibis. You punched him? No, I never punched him. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love him. It's just, <laughs> it's, it's just funny because I had, he has his own Twitter account. And yes, I, I, I created it with the intention of him running for president in 2020 and his his general platform was to deport me and all of the problems in the, in the United States would be resolved. And so basically everyone's been rooting for him to deport me. And, uh, basically anytime that like, I don't give him a treat, it's like violence against him. So here's, 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 here's me of it violence like against the dog. It sounds here's like you pushed your do. dog's platform. Well, so, so Ooh. here's what the media can do. <laughs> if you have an account for your dog, you want you say, you say you want to run for president. He did run for president. He won. He, okay. Yeah, he okay. Won. Yeah. So we know you're joking. Right. But the media can write something like, you know, the, the, the story was amplified by Siraj Hajmi, comma, who posts unhinged rants about dogs being president, <laughs> clearly a sign of mental distress, comma. They, they can do that. I mean, there probably it's their is opinion. something wrong with me. <laughs> their they, could, they, they could even literally say... That so the issue is, is there's often settlements. If you watch like Project Veritas, you'll see he always has the retracto. Usually that's because these people bend the knee immediately because they know if you get past a motion to dismiss, you go to discovery and depositions, mm -hmm. and that's when these organizations panic. <laughs> you'll see so so settle. so this is this is news too. Veritas just got past a motion to dismiss with the New York Times, I think it was. All right, which means these writers now have to sit in a room under uh, under oath, I believe, under penalty of perjury, and tell the truth. Yes. So it's really amazing what happens because they immediately, it's remarkable, watch these videos that Veritas has put out and you will laugh. Like they'll write something like, you know, James O'Keefe once did a backflip off a building or whatever, or punched a dog. And they'll be sitting there, sitting there in the room and under deposition and go, no, he never punched the dog. Why do you write that he did? Um, I was wrong. <laughs> and you're just like, wow, they know they're lying mm -hmm. and they get caught for it and they're forced to settle. Wow. They're forced to apologize or whatever because they know they're going to lose. 
Jonathan Galtarini says, have you noticed how the media is slowly turning on Biden? It feels like they are dipping their toes in the water on bashing Biden. Why? I think they care more about money than anything else. Capitalism may cure the virus they created. What if this happens? What if Jonathan's correct? Joe Biden is going to start getting slammed in the media. He's it's already starting. We had MSNBC criticizing him because he ordered Border Patrol not to allow press access to these facilities, migrant facilities. What happens if the media realizes there's money to be made? Oh, they're coming for if they criticize Biden. Yep. And then all of a sudden we get four years of Biden bad. Oh, no. And you get you get a crumbling economy, crumbling infrastructure, a failing president, a, a raucous China and a media capitalizing Joe Biden off Joe Biden claiming he sucks. And then Trump comes back. Ooh. Yeah. If that were to happen, all of it at the same time with DeSantis as VP, then Trump would probably. I think I think Trump is running regardless. He's and if Trump old, doesn't though. run, it is DeSantis. Yes. I, mean, I think I whoever be Trump, runs DeSantis. between those two is going to win. Mm-hmm. 100%. Definitely. You, so you think no matter what, 2024 is Republican? Yeah. So a lot of things that can happen from now until then. I know. But, but um, so th- this is what really bothers me. About- but I also thought Biden was going to win. I, I, as soon as Trump won, um, knowing Biden didn't run in 2016, um, I thought whatever happened in, in, in 2016, I I, I I knew that Trump was going to win like a week before the actual election. But afterwards, if Biden had been in that, I thought that there might have this been is, a chance that he actually would have won. So in 20, so like 2017, I was like, if Biden wins, uh, if Biden runs in 2020, he's going to win. The important thing to understand about shows like this and what I hate about the Internet is there's context and then there's like temporal context or contemporary context. And the way I des- described it to you earlier is if I said something like, Oh, Ian came to me and said, I am thirsty, but I don't like Gatorade. People could then take that statement where I said, I am thirsty, but I don't like Gatorade and take it out of context to attribute that quote to me. That's so crazy. That's out of context. But there's something called there's something else. There's contemporary context where I could be reading a news article from The New York Times that said Gatorade put, you know, uh, we won't use an actual brand. The New York Times might write an article saying popular soft drink accidentally drops rat in beverage. And then I go, wow, I'm never drinking beverage again. That's disgusting. I think this is disgusting. This drink is gross. And then people will take that quote and say, Tim hates this brand, omitting the contemporary context, the time when a story came out. So there's a good example of this. I said something about, I don't trust the New York Times. And I was referring to a singular story. I was talking about a couple different stories. And I was like, oh yeah, well, the New York Post said this. The New York Times said this. I don't trust the New York Times. I was referring to one story that gets taken by a bunch of leftists to claim that Tim Pool thinks the New York Times can is I, news. Can I jump in on that? Because yeah. this is really interesting that's happened online. You know, Vox journalist Aaron Rupar? Yeah. Mm. He posts a bunch of videos and stuff. Yeah. Um, he is now being accused of taking Captain Jay Baker, I believe that's his name, from Atlanta um, and taking out the, what was it, the conceptual context by basically contemporary or contemporary i'm sorry yeah contemporary context to make it look like uh the captain was saying that the suspect uh the atlanta shooting suspect was having a really bad day what he was doing was that he was actually saying that this is what the suspect's explanation was of his own action saying that he well that's just general context yeah okay all right so he said he had a really bad day and and the the way he was quoting the guy he was quoting what 
what the suspect's explanation was. These and people Rupar, are evil, man. Yeah. And Rupar so framed crazy. it as if that was you. what the captain said. Fooled me. Yep, he got I fired. Thought, I the thought, captain got forced out of his job. I, I, that, I thought the captain said that. Me too. So, I mean, man, you got you to be really careful when you watch these videos because man, these it people is so are quick. So quickly, this stuff gets spread. We got an important one here. Mr. Brownstone says, Stimmy hit and Timcast sub locked in. Woo. Member only content is worth every penny. Keep up the good, the great work and guests. Cheers, good sir and crew. Yes, Dude, we got like a full hour with James O'Keefe at Timcast.com. We need to create a better library system so we have a new website coming soon. But if you go to the members only content, you can just keep loading more. And we got an hour with James. We got an hour. We got, we got full Kim episodes Iverson. with, oh, yeah, yeah, with Kim so and, and a bunch of people talking, talking stuff you're not going to hear anywhere That's else. That's good stuff. I just want to say, Mr. Brownstone, uh, best song off Appetite for Destruction. Shout out. Great name. That's my opinion. <laughs> All right. We'll do a couple more here. If you haven't already, smash the like button before you take off, but we'll read some more. J.A. says, Habibi bro here, who is also a member of TimCast.com and a Twitch sub of Siraj. Ohio State and Michigan State were both overrated. Go blue. There you go. <laughs> What's up, Habibi? <laughs> Mike Greff says, things we can all agree on. Never trust the media, politicians, or the Chinese government. Can we all rally behind this? Not Apparently, we can't. Yeah, I mean, maybe who, just not face value. Never. Who I'll, looks at Nancy Pelosi and goes, I trust that face? A bunch of people. Uh, Why? <laughs> a lot of people who trust Nancy Pelosi, man. Why? I don't, I, there's like, you know, when people ask me, like, can you name a good politician? I'm like, Rand Paul? Yeah. I, I don't you I know. Like that guy. That's like the, the, it's, he, he gets a really high score for me. And there's a couple others I might shout out. Josh you know. Hawley. Well, well, Josh Hawley's on the list, but he's closer to the bottom. No offense to Josh Hawley. Ted Cruz. I think Thomas Massey, yeah, Rand Paul. And then, you know, Josh Hawley's all right. Matt Gates and Ted Cruz are all right. Um, I give I give praise to Ro Khanna for standing up to Pelosi in a few instances, but I disagree with him on a lot of pol bar. political stuff. I, Tulsi Gabbard was fantastic. Yeah, she, she left politics. Right, like that gone. says everything. Can you? Is, are there any politicians you want to give a shout out to? You think do, that are, are genuine and trustworthy? Oh man, that's really good. Uh, <laughs> question. Right. Look, I have a reserved um, distaste for politicians. I realize that they're all human, and they all have you know they're all set to do a job. And they all have different pressures that influence them. So I am never going to praise a politician just outright for, you know, being good or being bad. I'm sorry, or criticize them when they're bad. Um, I will just call them out when I see them mess up. What do you think about Rand Paul? He's a wild card. You think so? Yeah, because he was, he, he, during the Trump era, he wasn't really himself. You think? Yeah. I don't, I, I, he got, I, he got on the Trumpy lean. Yeah, and, and I, I, it was very un-Rand Paul-like. And, and, and I'll tell yeah, you this. When I, when I say I praise Rand Paul, it's because on a scale of 1 to 100, he's, he's at 51. He's like over the halfway mark by like the smallest Which person. is like the best rating you'd ever give a politician. Ever, yeah. <laughs> like he's a little bit better than like, okay. <laughs> okay. Whereas like yeah. all the other politicians are like, yeah, kind of bad. Yeah. You're all kind of bad and, you're, and some are worse. Some are horrible. Yeah. So I, I, I like Josh Hawley, but I, I, he's... he's yeah, you know, I begrudgingly say I like Josh Hawley because there's some things he's done that I like. But yeah, that's a, that's the problem is like there's personality and then there's policy. How yeah. do you separate that? Right. Yeah. I like and their the problem person. is 
Oh yeah. No, I was just gonna say like some policies are good, but the personality is horrible. Yeah. Like, some I, personalities are good, but the policies are horrible. Like you just can't. It's very hard to, to, right, to like, sift that. Liking out. their right, work we got, is different than liking their personality. We got right? a very important super chat from uh, Mujahed Kabi. Oh, that's 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 Jay. This <laughs> is a question for Siraj <laughs> Habibi. Oh, he is my co-host. That's my co-host. He says, on Bros. He's he's super chatted sixty nine dollars. <laughs> nice, yes. nice. Habibi, why is your love for Jen Rubin undying? <laughs> Essentially, you live one hundred percent. Sixty nine percent. Love you, Jay. <laughs> All right, we got uh, drunk surfer says shout out to Louis Gohmert. Louis's all right he's too. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's cool. Good. It's it's easy to point out certain Republicans that I think are good, but I disagree with them on a lot of policy. Mm. It's hard to find Democrats that I think are good, and I disagree with most of them on policy. All right, uh, Galandro Glade says you should get Fleckas on your show. Yes. I mean, we genuinely we we want to. We will at some point. Yeah, he's busy. Oh, that's interesting. Paul Crane says from a bottom from a bottom of my heart, Tim, you alone completely destroyed my conservatism. I was born into. I feel like a free man. Thank you, sir. Oh. Oh, I have no idea. Is that good? I don't you know. know. Yeah, yeah, is that good or bad? All right, everybody. Let's see. Last super chat. Ronnie Floyd says, great podcast like always. Y'all each need your own shirts like an animated Tim smashing the like button and lids pushing the buttons on in the corner. Yeah. Well, we do have the Diamond Hands Gorilla shirt pinned in the chat right now. You can get yours. Mm-hmm. It is an homage to the Wall Street Bets crew because we have a gorilla shirt and then they have the gorilla meme. So we like, I decided to make a shirt and I thought people it. would think it was funny. And uh, a lot of people really like it. We've sold a ton of them already. So thank you all to everybody. If you have not already, you must smash the like button. I'm surprised. You know, we, we end up getting, you know, like 30 to 40,000 people watching it at, at, yeah. on every episode. But we only get around like 10,000 likes. And it's just, Come on, you know, it's man. if everybody knew, just press that like button. Yeah. If you don't like it, it's literally Islamophobia. <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> Well, now you have to like it. Otherwise, you're the wrong ideology. Exactly. Uh, Also, go to TimCast.com. Look, I don't know if we're ever going to get this this weekend stuff up because things on the week the weekends tend to be chaotic. Uh, True. I started taking weekends off so I could do other kinds of work and also have some just like wake up when I need to wake up. And then we've been doing like interviews and stuff. So we wanted to do range footage. Then Luke ended up leaving. So we didn't go to the range. Or we did. We just didn't have anybody to film it. We didn't really have a plan. And then we wanted to do the Chicken City thing last time. But then we got the chickens and they were like, it's too cold. And we, we realized a security issue with Chicken City. So we're like, okay, we need to re-up security. And, and, and we basically had to like bury some stuff to prevent, you know, the, the, the jerks from trying to dig in to kill the chickens. So we'll, we'll try our best. But uh, thank you all so much for hanging out, for, for those who are members, for being members. And uh, like I said, you can go to TimCast.com, click shop, get your Diamond Hands Gorilla shirt. You can follow me on all social media at TimCast. My other YouTube channels are YouTube.com slash TimCast, YouTube.com slash TimCast News. This show is live Monday through Friday at 8 p.m. So we will be back Monday. Siraj, you want to shout anything out now that you're a free and independent I'm a free man? man. You can follow me on Twitter at Siraj A. Hashmi. I don't know. I, I don't expect you to know how to spell that. It's probably in the, <laughs> in the video description. You can, it is. You it can is. also follow my new venture at Habibi Bros. Uh, it's at Habibi underscore bros. And then if you like our stuff, subscribe to us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Habibi Bros. That's where all our content is going to be right now until I announce something in the future. Gosh, you can always follow me at iancrossland.net. I really appreciate you guys for coming. I love the the chats and the super chats. It was really, really epic interaction. Thanks, Thanks. Jay, for giving that nice donation. I love you, Jay. It better not come from the company account. (laughs) $69. (laughs) Well, it's good promotion, I suppose. Yeah. True, 100%. I did have one. Hmm? 
Oh, <laughs> sorry. No, you're good. You're good. I just had one final thought because we were talking about the censorship and this judge's dissent. And I just wanted to say that this has occurred to me that um, social media is censoring much better than the government ever could have dreamed of. Nicholas Sawark, who used to work for the Libertarian Party, commented earlier today on Twitter something about how cancel culture is basically like just um, cultural accountability obviously not true and this judge's dissent points that out perfectly because it doesn't matter that it's not the government it's still a huge issue anyway i'm sarah patchlitz on twitter and mine you can follow me there we are going to have a new website up very soon hopefully next week but i'm not entirely sure our our optimistic uh, view is by mid next week maybe late next week it may get delayed but it looks way better there's going to be an easier way to sign up. There's going to be alternate payment processing and stuff like we're, we're, we're revamping everything. Basically, here's, I'll put it simply for you. Everybody came in and smashed the like button. As soon as they did, we just magically had the funds. No, I'm kidding. Hmm. When we set up TimCast.com and we got a bunch of members, that membership gave us the resources to hire a real dev team to, you know, like a, a large group, a big company to redesign and everything. So we, we, we used that, you know, base website as the launching point. Everything's going to get better. We are going to have a blog section where people can write articles for us and we're going to do news stories and things like that. And then we're going to be launching a brand website that has the video game channel, the uh, video games themselves. We have a video game in the works. It's going to be a lot of fun. We have a card game and we're just going to be doing a lot of fun culture stuff. So that is all with your support. You guys rock. Thank you so much for hanging out. And uh, we'll see you all at TimCast.com or we'll see you Monday at 8 p.m. live on this channel. Bye, guys.